On today's episode, we're going from the hills of Beverly to the hills of the wilderness. And we have our very first guest of the pod. The indie drag fashion diva herself, Sierra Miss, joins us to chat Ghost, Taco Bell, indie drag theater, and so much more. So grab your compass and sleeping bag and get ready to rough it with flair, because it's cookie time on this week's episode of Popcorn and a Popstar. Hi, 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 and welcome to Popcorn and a Popstar, a movie commentary podcast from a pop star's colorful point of view. I'm your drag pop star host, Indies MX Judges, Siwa Pop Prince, Friendly Bitch, and yes, still your drag best friend. Oh my goodness, y'all. Episode four. Like, we are just trucking along this season. Like, thank you again. Every time I say this, thank you so much for being here. You could be doing anything else in the world, but you're here with me. So I appreciate you. So thank you for being here. You already know why we're here. We are here to talk cookies. We are here to sing some tunes about being in Girl Scouts. You know what's up. We are here to watch the 1989 film True. Beverly Hills. Released in March of 1989, this film was directed by Jeff Kane and written by Ava Ostern Fries. Filmed on an 18 million budget, this film only really grossed about 8.5 million at the box office, which is kind of sad because this is like a cult classic following. And I feel this movie, it needs its flowers. I mean, it has its flowers with the communities. And fun facts for us um, this was the film debut of Tasha Scott. Tori Spelling, and Carla Giugino, which I love all three of them. So this is really interesting to see that this is like their debut. And speaking of debut, we have our very first ever guest in, well, I'm in their studio, but guest on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. One of my favorite divas. Oh, I cannot say enough about her. Give it up for Sierra Miss. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. Thank you so much for being here. Like, I, I'm so excited to be here. I've been loving the pod. So oh. much fun. Clue is one of my favorite movies ever. So it was so fun hearing you um, watch it and review along. It oh was my like God. hanging out with a good Judy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Like, and oh my gosh, thank you for letting me be in your studio. Like, you have a gorgeous setup like and I'm sure that we'll we'll be seeing a lot more of it in the future there's um some CR mysteries to be unveiled Ooh. in uh, 2023 so I, more to come this is a sneak peek I can't wait so since you are my first guest I I've never really had anybody on my on my podcast so I, I want to do like a justice I want the world to get to know you I mean follow them on Instagram and just see how gorgeous they are. But I want them to see and hear who you really are. So we're going to do like a few little like questions. Do you want to play a little game of questions? Uh-oh. I'll never say no, but I'm nervous. <laughs> oh, don't be nervous. They're, 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 pre they're pretty simple questions. Go slow. I will. I definitely will. So first off, it's gonna, we're going to start off really easy. Taco Bell. Mm. That's a drag staple for after the gig, of before course. the gig, mostly after the gig, because before the gig. Dangerous. Dangerous. Um, but I, I know you're a Taco Bell girl. Do you love Taco Bell? I do love Taco Bell. It's actually, fun fact, um, part of why I have my drag name. <gasps> what? Yes. Uh, so I was at Taco Bell. We were there after a club uh, uh, event situation, going home single, so it was safe. And... Uh, we ordered our food, and the cashier was like, I have a Ryan for Sierra Mist. 
And I just kind of looked at my friend and we were like, for Sierra Mist. Like, that's iconic. Said, bitch, that's my that's name. That's the name. And so, I, yeah, I spell it differently, obviously, because, yeah. you know, branding. And um, But yeah, so Taco Bell um, encouraged the birth of Sierra Mist. Bitch, that's transcendent. I love that. Like, thank you, Taco Bell. See, this is what sponsorship. Sponsor the gay community. Don't let Chipotle do it because they charge for guac. <laughs> They do. But I know that you definitely are on the move a lot. I know that you recently just did a history remix tour of the show Sis with Indie Drag Theater. Yes. Oh my God, tell me about that. Of course. So um, Indie Drag Theater is a local theater troupe to our city. It's our mission to take uh, traditional or outdated theatrical productions and shows and and flip the script, literally. We want to tell stories through a queer lens and spotlight our community for audiences that may or may not be familiar with that and give an opportunity for our actors to feel safe playing roles as any gender identity or expression. So all things that are very near and dear to my heart. And I know you've been a part of that as well. I have. I got to do um, Legally Blonde last year with uh, Blair Sinclair and April Rose and a few other notable names. And it was such a blast. And you guys just released the uh, new season. We did. <gasps> yes. So sis um, is, is rolling over a bit from last year and we're on tour like you said our history mix encore so catch us around the state of indiana as we travel but in downtown indianapolis we will be doing four shows this year uh the little mermaid chicago waitress and a chorus line so we are thrilled to bring those to indianapolis and to have our drag twist on them baby what timing to you little mermaid just didn't get to come out yes little mermaid auditions all the materials are available now so for anybody who's a budding drag artist or queer performer in the greater Indianapolis area, check that out, uh, indiedragtheater.com, T-H-E-A-T-R-E, because we're fancy. Um, And uh, yeah, check out the audition materials. It's going to be a fantastic show. I am so excited, and I'm I'm excited because y'all have some really great like lineups that you know I'm probably gonna audition for. So you know you'll probably see me at an audition or two. I look forward to it. I, Bring it. I love that. And also earlier we mentioned how you are in a glorious like studio. You have a, a YouTube channel, actually. I do. I'm a, a makeup girly, a little social media um, attempt to be wannabe superstar. Stop. You are a superstar, and I got the privilege to actually be a part of one of your dabbling in drag episodes. We which, had so much fun. And I'll put that on the Instagram because let me just tell you, that was such a fun ass day. We were doing a photo shoot for season 14. Yep. And we just glammed up and just kikied about any drag theater and plastic candy bars. And <laughs> it, it was, it was fun. It was such a fun day. So definitely I will link that in the bio and definitely check that out. Thank you for the plug. No, thank you for letting me use your studio for this because this is amazing. So you are a fashion icon. This is why I brought you on for this episode because Phyllis Neffler is the style guru and she has so many iconic looks in this yes. film. I want to know who inspires you. Like your style is so fierce. You always have a look, a concept. You just definitely always bring a conceptual look to anything. So who like, inspires you or who some of your style icons. Well, and I know you're talking specifically about this amazing, fantastic garment that I, I have really on today. Am. The makeup is giving. Baby, this is like, if, if y'all could see it, this is very much like Phyllis Neffler, like, inspired. She's got, like, a khaki-colored ensemble 
It's got the nude rhinestones. Baby, she is ready for the wild. I have never looked better in my life. That is accurate. 100% an accurate statement. Baby, you are gorgeous. The drag is dragging. The drag is dragging. So my style influences um, are a bit across the board, I think, for some some drag artists in general. Um, I It's a mix of reality and, and fiction. I am a super nerd. I always have been. And all of these things like comic books, sci-fi movies, mythology, all of those inform my drag as it stands today. And I think, honestly, are the reasons why I'm a queer person in general, which is funny to look back and be like, oh, yeah, that that tracks. That makes sense. Um, but then real live style inspirations would be people like David Bowie, Elvira. Um, I love retrofuturism. So Twiggy and the Jetsons and all of these sort of fashion illustration type of people where they are larger than life. They have these... Uh, drag personas themselves, people like Prince who invented a character and then brought that to the stage and all of those thrown in a blender and topped off with the Terminator soundtrack is what created Sierra Mist. And let me just tell you, like the looks that you pull again. I'm pl- plug plug the IG because you, the the children have to see these iconic looks. I I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I will link it in the bio and I will link it in the episode bi- bio because you need to check out Sierra's page. She has so many iconic looks. Like everything you just described, I feel like you have basically brought to life and made it like a 100. So. Definitely check out Sierra's Instagram. Thank you. Yes. And I know, like, you are someone who values and just loves the art of drag and just drag in general. And so I know that you definitely have a lifetime of knowledge and just advice. A lifetime. A lifetime of a knowledge. century. Well, you you do, like, special effects makeup. You are on a reality show. You're a drag queen now. You do things, mama. Things. No. We stay busy. We stay busy. Booked and blessed and busy. But, like, I know, like, you definitely have a heart for, like, the new up-and-coming generation. So, like, what's one thing, one piece of advice that you could give to somebody who's like, hey, I want to start doing drag? Like, what's one piece of advice that you would give to them listening? Yeah, that's a great question. I think figure out what makes you, you. What is special about you that nobody else is doing? So many people see art and drag, and, and yes, we're all inspired and influenced by the things that are around us. Inspiration is great. Copycat or regurgitation is not a way to present yourself or introduce yourself to the world. So find the things about you out of drag that make you special, unique, that you love about yourself. And then put lipstick on it. Glitter it up. Like, package it, brand it, and and introduce it to the world. People will buy what you're selling if it is you. If it is something else or it feels like it's trying to be something that it's not, then we can tell. We can feel that. And so when you know who you are, what you're wanting to deliver, what you're selling because you believe in it, that is what we're going to buy. It can look any way. It can be packaged in any, you know, decoration, any style of drag. But when it's something that feels like you, then we believe it and we buy it just as much. So figure out who you are, what you do, package it, and we will sell it to us. We'll buy it, I promise. Absolutely. Like, that's tea. Like, I feel like that's just kind of how I'm, that's how I found Bratley. I literally was like, I just want to be a big Bratz doll that's like mixed with like BTS. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes through. But that energy is infectious. And when people say there is no other performer like Bratley, that's true. And oh my gosh, that, is, that is uh, the mark of somebody who knows who they are, knows their brand, and knows how to deliver it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Like, that means a lot to hear you say that because, you know, coming from you, Style Queen, that means so much so thank you thank you and so 
We have one more question. Oh, and this, this is the serious one. Like I've oh, been shit. giving you like, you know, little softy ones, but this is the real... The Taco Bell question was serious. That was serious. I mean, that was serious. Yeah. So, if you were a ghost, who would you haunt? Boo. Boo. Well, I am a horror girly, so um, ghosts are um, are in my wheelhouse. Actually, our house was haunted for a little while. Not this one, but um, when uh, we moved to Indiana, the house that my parents bought... Um, there was a family that had lived there before. They left sort of suddenly, and we had a we had activity upstairs. Um, <gasps> we had uh, we had things that were relocated, things that would move around. Stop. We had footsteps. We had um, uh, this is gross, but like random shits in toilets, like um, like ghost pee taking, yeah, shits? ghost poops. Um, which was crazy. Um, and like non-human, go- like it was, if this is from a human, they are unwell. Oh, wow. Um, like, I don't remember someone eating corn in this house. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we, uh, we got it taken care of eventually, but we found out that somebody passed in the house and they left a lot of their belongings in the basement. So we, and in the toilets, obviously. Yeah, clearly they spent a lot of time there. Um, but I mean, I spent a lot of time in the toilet too. So like, okay. I can't complain. Um, but <laughs> speaking of, um, if I was a ghost, um, so when you're a ghost in a ghost story, I feel like it's often focused on like they're vengeful, they're angry or they're sad. And yeah. so like the energy is always like a Debbie Downer and like, I am not a Debbie Downer. No. So if I was a ghost, I'd want to like the energy around me needs to be like fun and playful. I would definitely be mischievous. So I'm thinking I need to haunt like, like a bathhouse or somewhere <gasps> kind of stupid yes. where I can just be a freak. And as a ghost, I can be like, a fl- ooh, use protection okay Ooh, they haven't been tested <laughs> don't put it there okay like it's a fly on the wall that would be that's actually really freaking epic. there's a glory hole and i'm like <laughs> bitch yes i i live i live. gotta keep it fun yeah. gotta keep it fun i mean who wants to like be like a sad ghost a haunted house like a mansion that's de- decrepit and scary and gross not my eternity he said not me no bitch. i mean I, i'm not okay a bathhouse is not like glamour by any means bitch but, you said like but there's some eye candy so girl with this red hair you said i want to be where the people are <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, we're going to take a short break, refill our popcorn and some wine, and we'll be right back. And we are back. Now, we got our popcorn topped up. Our wine is here because, baby, we got a movie to watch. We can't just sit here and that that's a whole nother show. But we are here for one purpose and one purpose alone. And you know what, Sierra, since you're my guest, I want to pass that over to you. So... Why don't you introduce this movie today? All right. I am super excited. We are diving into the Fuzzy Pink Vault, and we are pulling out um, on VHS, Troop Beverly Hills. Let's press play on that one. So we get an opening sequence that is animated, one of the first of its time. There's only like maybe one or two in this time period that were actually animated, but this particular one was super fun for me. I remember watching it and just seeing like this generic wilderness girl and then Shelley Long as a character, so much fun. And fun fact, 
John Crickfalusi, the artist who drew Ren and Stimpy, was actually the artist who drew all of this. So that's why a lot of the characteristics of these cartoon elements are very Ren and Stimpy inspired for the 90s kids out there. And also, it basically was one of those stepping points for him as well. So fun fact for that. Also, this was, like I say, one of three animated openings in that time of 1989. The other two were National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. We lose that sense of fun in movies now. I feel like we need more animated openings. I've I've seen a few animated openings in my life. I bet you have. I wrote that on the bathroom wall about you. Uh, That was you? (laughs) That was me. Uh, I knew somebody was doing some good advertising. (laughs) And speaking of advertising, the theme song is Make It Big by the Beach Boys. Make it big. The Beach Boys sang this, like Kokomo. I love Kokomo, but yeah, the fact that they sing this song, it was forever embedded in my childhood brain. Like, I don't think there was a soundtrack to this movie, but I needed one. This and Kumbaya, <gasps> and I feel like, the, oh, there's a song, we'll get to it. There's a song that is written for the show, for the movie. Oh, yeah. Those are the songs of the, of the soundtrack. Oh, baby, I'm excited to talk about that one. And as we're opening up this sequence, we see the girls doing... Wilderness girls like activities, and I say activities like very loosely because these aren't real Girl Scout. They're camping how I would like to go. They are glamping it up. Like I, I, I remember a few things. What do you remember? They are canoeing in like a a swim pool, swimming pool. Yes, I'm having a stroke. Uh, In a swimming pool, there is this like super cool Swiss army knife that they have. Mm. And essentially it has like all the tools that they would need. So a gold card, obviously, first and foremost. Yeah. Scissors, combs, all those sorts of good stuff. There's this moment where they're um, they're doing target practice, like archery, but instead they, they shoot the arrows and it's like a bust. And so yeah. Phyllis is like, no, 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 no. This is what we're going to be shooting with. And she's popping champagne. Which yes. Is, love that. Love that moment. And then this is how I get my exercise when I'm hiking mm-hmm. is um, I just put a background of trees next to me <laughs> and I walk on the treadmill. And so that's what they were doing as well. Baby, walking children in nature on treadmill. In, in nature, in my living room. There it is. With backdrop and then um i've not had caviar because it's not my lifestyle but these girls are um using caviar as bait to catch their fish which is um that's rich rich well well bitch baby like honestly that's such a fun concept to me because like caviar isn't that like fish eggs yeah so is cannibalism oh there it is. See? But it's the Beverly Hills way, so you wouldn't have it any other way. There's a lot of cannibalism in Beverly Hills. So there really is, apparently. But, like, I remember there being, like, a first aid kit, but it was, like, a nail kit. And that was my favorite because, I mean, in the wilderness, girl, you break a nail, you're fucked. But, like, you have a little kit, you're like, mmm, new nails. Um, and I also remember when the one girl, she couldn't get water out of like the little spigot and there's like spiders in it and, and Phyllis is like, no, 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 guess what, bitch? We got Evian and shameless plug because Evian was like, I guess a big thing. Oh yeah. It was, it was Lux. Evian was Lux. Oh baby. I feel like if you drank Evian in like the eighties, like you were like, you were that girl. You had five bedrooms in your house for sure. That girl. Girl. The parent trap, the Evian bottle, the lizard. Yes. I live. She was also that girl. Oh, she was that girl. 
That that's another conversation we. That's a different. Have. That's um podcast uh, season two. Ooh, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Write in. Drop a comment below if you'd like to see it. Absolutely, absolutely. And then like we we see them eating like at a picnic, and like a swarm of bees come, and they use like hair dryers to like like get them away. And I thought that was always kind of funny because I think that would just piss a bee off. It might work. I mean, it might work. Give a bee a blowout. Some of the bees need it. <laughs> they are looking flat and thirsty. Flat and thirsty, mama. Not in this house. Not. No. <laughs> and then we end up with, like, Phyllis just lavishing and luxating in this, like, brown fur coat. But then we zoom out and realize that it's actually a bear's finger that she's actually, like, rubbing between. And the bear's, like, getting into it. The bear was horny. And it was... I was uncomfortable. He was... He, he wanted it. He was, like... The tongue was out. It was diabetic tongue out situation. Eyes rolled back in the head like he just took a fresh hit of poppers. Like... <laughs> Bitch, he was red. And then she's like, he, he's like, she stopped. He's like, why'd you stop? And then got real mad. That bear actually went on to star in the upcoming movie, Cocaine Bear. <gasps> I knew that he looked familiar. Yeah. He's getting he's getting a little jolly. Different though. than Cocaine Bear who works at Greg's. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. And so as the bear is chasing her, we are basically running past the Wilderness Girl headquarters. And... It's the actual introduction to the movie. And we meet the Red Feathers. And they're like the perfect Wilderness Girl troop. They very straightforward, straight laced. They're the bitches. They can't be bothered with shit. I don't know if I can call like a 12-year-old a bitch. But they, if I could. We'll write it in a letter. And then they'd be like, do not open this until you're of bitch age. And then (laughs) open it. The bitch age of of bitchdom. Like like 16. Like when when you can hear the word bitch and not be offended, open this letter. Yeah. (laughs) They were that. They were that. And we find out that their leader is Velda Plunder. Now, she's played by Betty Thomas. And fun fact about Miss Betty Thomas, this was her last acting role. But right after she did this film, she began directing. And she became one of the most successful female directors in Hollywood. And she went on to direct some classic hits as... John Tucker Must Die, and the Brady Bunch movie adaptation, which also, ironically, starred Shelley Long as the TV's favorite mom, Carol Brady. I love that movie. That was actually my first um, experience seeing drag without knowing what it was. Yes! Seeing RuPaul as the therapist. Oh my god, right? That's so tea. Like, that is actually, like, one of the first times I had seen drag outside of, like, Tu Wong Fu. But, like, to see drag and, and like, mainstream. And I had no context for it. I was, nope. I was like, this is a very tall lady. And it was not until years, years later that I was like, what is going on here? What the fuck is going on And then here? years, years, years later, decades later, I was <laughs> like wait i'm doing that i'm doing that yes and then we meet uh the head leader of the wilderness girls headquarters miss francis temple who is played by legendary actress Audra Lindley, who played Mrs. Roper on the first three seasons of Three's Company. And we also meet Velda's assistant, Annie Herman. And she was played by Mary Gross. Mary Gross has been in a lot of things, especially in the 90s. Like, you know her face. You've seen her in, like, a lot of sitcom shows, a lot of, like, 90s movies. as like the teacher, like some kind of principal. She plays the mousy character, usually. Very mousy character. But we love her. We love her. And they are basically sitting there and... 
and just finding out that, oh, hey, we have a new applicant who wants to join the Wilderness Girl Leaders and run Troop Beverly Hills. And they kind of talk about how Troop Beverly Hills is kind of like the, the troop that no one wants to be a part of, and it's like a dying troop. But we might have a savior. And while they are basically looking at the applications, they come across Miss Phyllis Nefflers, who is played by Shelley Long, and she basically just is doing her application her way. Like, some of her answers were just so funny to me. We have the same exact resume. Literally. Like, what's on your resume? You tell me. So, well, I'll just read Phyllis Neffler's resume. Yeah. And, and then you'll know what's on my resume. Okay. Yeah. And you can hire me for a scout leader job as well. Absolutely. So, we get this cute montage where they go back and forth between them reading the application and the scenes that inspired her responses. So, when she says she's resourceful, what she really means is she looked at a pile of expensive heels. She said, wait, okay, I can only spend so much. Take those two shoes out i'll take the rest of the 20 okay and like you know that's a that's a she's bargaining she's conscious of a budget yes uh when she says she's into community affairs she means she's interested in the affairs that are happening in the community mm. hot goss she wants hot, to spill the tea hot goss. which you know i'm i'm also interested in those type of affairs okay when she says she loves animals she's looking at like brooches that are in the shape of animals these like <laughs> crystal this frog she kisses it and she's like i'll make you into a prince something stupid and she was like you know what i'm honest i'm thrifty and uh we see this moment of her shopping in this high-end dress store and there's this gown which i'll be honest i don't really love this gown but like it was you know it was a time and place where fashion was questionable yeah it was iconic yeah but questionable but it's a it's a beaded gown and she uh is trying to knock they're like it's fifty four hundred dollars but she was like um there's a bead missing here puts her finger over the bead sales associate can't see and she's oh yeah it was 54 hours she goes i'll give it to you for five thousand she goes okay. oh, i'll take it like okay like that four hundred dollars is make or break in her bank account oh baby that but yeah she she just did she just like mm. it was so silly but basically <laughs> all of these lies which you know fake it till you make it i'm not, yeah. I'm not knocking that gig absolutely not uh get her the job they're like you know what this woman is super qualified. She is going to be the new troop leader for Troop Beverly Hills because they are they've been without one for so long. And so they're they're kind of desperate, honestly. And um so once they stamp that approval, we get to really dive into like Phyllis outside of this montage. Yes. She's this glamorous, materialistic housewife. And we are taken to Phil from this shopping spree extravaganza that she's gone on, we get to go back to her home, which is this large estate, and we're driven around the the property a bit and she comes in there's landscapers that she's greeting uh she walks in the door fo- box is just like covering her face and she's she like can't even see she, yeah she's greeted by rosa her maid who's played by the iconic shelly morris oh my god who's also playing she's played another famous maid um you'd probably recognize her rosario from will and grace yes and so rosa helps take care of phyllis because phyllis can barely take care of herself baby or so we're led to believe and um pretty early on in the film they let us know that she's going through a painful divorce. Her uh, separated husband is Freddie, who's played by Craig T. Nelson, mm. um, formerly seen in Poltergeist. Honestly, it's so funny seeing his face. He's somebody that I recognize from so many films, but yeah. um, not to say he hasn't aged well, but he definitely, like, looking at younger him versus maybe some of the films that I was introduced to him as he was more mature, mm-hmm. I did not connect the dots until I went back and I was like, wow, I see you all over the place. Oh, right. But yeah, Fred, um, Freddie has made this 
this buku box, basically, um, not as a, a lawyer as he went to school for, but as a, a muffler salesman and repairman. <laughs> and Phyllis actually did his marketing, uh, which this idea is hilarious. Dresses him up in this silver muffler costume. He is the mascot, and they call him Nuffler the Muffler Man. And there's a whole song and theme song, but people, obviously the marketing worked. I mean, what did you say earlier? Branding. Know who you are, know your brand, and sell it. We will buy it. And people bought the shit out of it. Girl, this house is rich. It's luxe. It's it's glorious. Like, it's so big, and it's just so colorful inside, too. Like It's very loud, which is very of the time. Yes, white marble. Bitch. Rich. But, yeah, I loved it. And, uh, you know, and, and through this separation, I think she's processing it in in probably her typical way of, of dealing with her challenges and uh, she's spending her, her husband's credit cards. And uh, so he's not thrilled about that. And uh, through their separation, he's been um, relegated to the guest house. That's his side of the property. And so they're having a little squabble as we meet them. Um, he comes home, finds out how much she spent there. You know, he needs to pick up some of his things. And so we're, we see some of the conflict early on, which is setting us up for some fun and hilarious moments. Oh, gosh, on. yes. So uh, Freddie goes through and is essentially, um, he wants to pick up his dumbbells this time. That's what he's picking up. Mm. And so um, he's making his way through the house and um, Shelly Long is chasing him up the stairs through the house to get to the gym area. And all the while, while this argument's happening from her shopping spree, she's dressed to the nines. In this polka dot fantasy, it is it is a bit of an acid trip, but this hat and her look is like, it's like the big hips and the, the pencil skirt to the knee. And it's, it's a moment. It's a situation. It's questionable and memorable. Yeah, like that hat was like three sizes way too big. And I was like, I want that hat. Yeah, when they say we need to make, you know, your wigs bigger, your hair bigger, all that. She said, I want my hat. I want my bigger. hats bigger, bitch. And, and she did. That hat was like half the size of her. Does anyone wear a hat? Hat. <laughs> yes! So iconic, so iconic. And it's also in this moment that we meet Hannah, who is Phyllis and Freddie's daughter. Now, she is played by Jenny Lewis, who, before landing Troop Beverly Hills, started as, like, an extra on, like, shows like Murder, She Wrote and, like, Golden Girls, things of that nature. But she would also later go on to music, and when she got in her later years, she was the lead singer of such indie bands as Rilo Kylie, The Postal Service, and Jenny and John... And it's one of those things that she made like a career for herself after this movie and bravo to her. She was great that, yes. for such a young actress. I mean, this movie obviously centers around younger people mm -hmm. being in, in the, the troops. And with movies that feature younger actors, they can kind of make or break the story. Absolutely. And I think in this case, they all made it. They, oh, everybody we did. See, we see the talent come out of this movie in their later years, for sure, in their career. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yes, yes. But like, and it's crazy that like, what we... What while we meet Hannah, we see that she's on a gymnast beam in her own gymnast, like, gymnastic studio. Like, it's huge. And she's just like, oh, yeah, I'm just hanging out. And I was just like, rich. Again, rich. You have your own gymnastic studio in your house? Rich. Balance beam. B balance beam. That's the good word for it. <laughs> 
When I never said I was the brightest marker in the crayon box, y'all. You're the pinkest marker. Thank you. And that's what counts. Absolutely. And Hannah tells him that Phyllis is going to be her new troop leader. And he's just like automatically like, yeah, like that's not going to happen. Like you, you don't do anything. And she's just like, listen, you know, there's a troop orientation coming up soon too. So we need to plan this. And Phyllis is like, hell yeah, let's do this. And you know what? To hell with you, Freddie. I'm going to be a great troop leader for Hannah and her friends. Baby, don't you worry. And it's one of those that going back to like what you said earlier, Sierra, like their relationship is really rocky. And we just kind of see why they're getting a divorce because all they do is just bicker back and forth and it's it's not even like a good situation. They're just yelling and complaining with each other. They've lost like the belief in each other, which not just like romantically, but like it's clear that he thinks she can't accomplish anything. Absolutely. And that's that's horrible. Like that's just one of those things that you should always support your partner. Totally. And he basically just, just, just discredits her everything that she does and cuts her down. And, you know, honestly, it was one of those moments that she's like, you know what? Fine, since I don't do anything, here, I'm gonna help you pack and like throws half his shit outside. But like, I mean, before this moment too, he actually tells her that, you know, there used to be this compassionate side and this side of you that I really cared about, but then you just did nothing with it. And again, like, he just basically is just making her feel like shit. And that's why she's like, you know what, I'm gonna do something. So she throws stuff outside and good for her. When her lawn worker doesn't, doesn't look up at the window where these clothes came from and just continues to blow the clothes away i cackled like not unbothered clearly this is an occurrence that they are familiar with so it's in this next scene that we begin to meet the actual girls of true beverly hills and let me just tell you these girls are the one it is wild because you have to think about where we are Mm -hmm. in culture in uh geographically we're in beverly hills in a certain time and place Mm -hmm. and so what is so comical about this whole situation is that these girls are coming from such wild, crazy, over-the-top backgrounds. And so as we meet them, we see where their circumstance is. And it is that's it makes it all the all the more humorous why they're interested in being a wilderness girl, which feels very out of character for all of them. Absolutely. Like, I mean, some of these girls, I feel like they they're only there because you know they have to be but like also too like like you said these girls are just a diverse group of girls seven girls because hannah we've already met hannah so she's the eighth girl yep so we have seven other girls that we get to meet tiffany is the first one that we get to meet and honestly businesswoman businesswoman scamming and scheming in the best way possible her dad is a surgeon so like wealthy on the phone he's talking about boob job at seven or whatever at four he's booking his schedule for the day talking to his assistant and Tiffany is is less enthralled about the idea of wilderness goals than maybe some of the other ones are. And so she's like, if you want me to do this, it's going to cost you. And she wheels and deals herself to get some money out of this she situation. She bitch better have my money. And her dad forks over that cash. It was like She was like, I'm not showing up to this meeting for less than 100 Baby, she knows. Early drag queen. Know your worth. Know your worth. She said, my rates are more expensive than that. <laughs> okay. Don't be giving me no chicken shit gigs at the Wilderness <laughs> Girls Club. Mm, which there is a full drag show later that we get to enjoy. <gasps> yes. I'm so excited. Then we're next introduced to Chica, who is seems very uptight. She's uh, from, she practices equestrian arts. So she's like got her riding gear on. Very quiet. And, but she's actually played by Carla Gugino, which... Carly Gugino is legendary. One of my favorite actresses. Um, the mom from Spy Kids. If you don't know who we're talking about. The mom from Spy Kids. She is a uh, sex pot in Sin City. Mm. Um, she's also the mom in Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. Uh, plenty of other things. Um, fantastic actress. 
in real life, Carly Gugino was actually like scamming and scheming a little bit to get this part because the casting directors were looking for a certain age range of girls. So mm-hmm. they weren't casting over 14 and Carla was 16 at the time. Oh. And so she said that she was younger. She really wanted the role. And then eventually, I mean, she was cast in it and production found out later in the game, but they had already done so much of the filming that they couldn't recast her. And why would you? I mean, she played the part well. Yeah. And the only tell that she was maybe older than the girls was that she was significantly taller than all of them. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like they, a lot of the times, in like a lot of scenes, they just put her in the back. So yes. You, so they kind of hit her height, and kind of she kind of squat down a little bit. But a lot of times, like they kind of just put her in the back, so you really didn't even tell. No, and she she merged well with the rest of the cast. So it was a good casting decision regardless, and, and good for her on getting that part and obviously catapulting the rest of her career. Hell yeah. The next wilderness girl that we're introduced to is Emily. And um, Emily's dad, she's in the car with him, and she they're sort of talking about money. And it, we're informed that her dad is is probably a prior star, giving me very, like, soap star energy. Yeah. Um, or, like, Western leading man Something type of like energy. Um, but he hasn't been booked in a while, so they're falling on hard times. Now, hard times for Beverly Hills still feels like probably decent times for some other people. But um, in the grand scheme of things, she's feeling poor. Mm. And um, so she's a little stressed and worried about that. But she's, you know, Emily provides encouragement to her dad uh, she's played by Kelly Martin and then the next girl that we're introduced to is Lily um, now Lily is the daughter of foreign dictators that we are um, we are introduced to and this is in reference I believe to um, real life uh, leaders dictators of the Philippines who yeah. had passed um, just before so I don't know uh how sensitive or appropriate it is that they decided we're going to sort of like satire this in this film at this time when yeah. it was probably tense for the people of that area. Mm. But um, it, it is a good bit. It's funny. Yeah. Like I always thought it was kind of funny too, because like you kind of like meet them and you don't meet them. She's just like, Phyllis is like, good morning, dictator, Miss Dictator. And then it's like, they roll the window. Like, good morning. Just roll the window up and just keep it pumping. Like, and the wife is Oh, yeah. I feel like she she just, I mean, icon herself. She kind of reminded me of, like, Manila from, like, Drag Race. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I feel like she might have been loosely based off that. I don't know. Um, But, like, yeah, continuing on with that, like, we meet Tessa. And Tessa is actually the daughter of a film director. And they're on their way to the troop meeting, and they're talking about, like, the different various, like, I need to do this, and we need to get this kind of rig set up. And she's like, oh, yeah, Dad, you cannot do this on that budget. What are you talking about? And just, again, girl bossing herself with her dad, and I love that. And she was actually played by Heather Hopper, who, early in her career, portrayed Nikki on the pre-Say by the Bell show. Good morning, Miss Bliss. So if you ever watched, like, Say by the Bell there was that actual, like, show before Stay by the Bell. And we meet one of my favorite girls in this troupe, Jasmine. Now, Jasmine... Icon. She is an icon. She is that sassy girl that I wanted to be friends with in, like, any type of grade in elementary school. Like, her dad's a boxer, and she's played by Tasha Scott. But, baby, when I tell you, just this whole scene... Like, so, uh, they're on their way to the meeting, and they get pulled over. And, like, the cop is, like, talking to the dad, and the dad's just trying to smooth it over. 
over and she's just like, do you know who this man is? Like, just like real just sassy with the cop and like the dad's like, like you know, cool at Jasmine. She's like, listen, this man right here, he beat up Tyson. He beat up Ali. He whooped Apollo Creed's ass. You know who this man is? And she's just so sassy about it. And like, she ends with like this line that just forever signifies what I say in real life. Now, daddy, shake the man's hand and let's be on our way. Bitch, that line. So good. So good. And I I could only imagine just how much she gets in the streets that. It is a quotable line. It is in my vernacular on the regular. Oh. And it was so funny to remember where it came from. When I, we sat down and watched this, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, it had just been burned into my brain for yes. so long that I was like, oh, my gosh. The source is right here. Right here. Because, yeah, I feel like I still say that to this day. Like, it's one of those, like, when you're ready to go... Shake the man's hand and let's be on our way. Yes. <laughs> so sassy and I lived. And um, we meet our final girl who is Claire. And Claire's mom is actually Phyllis's best friend. And she's like a romance novelist. Yes. And she's so funny. Like, like she pulls up to like the, the meeting and just has this like little tape recorder. And she has this like sexy like music and the, like romantic music playing while she's like, and he came behind her and caressed her shoulders. I like that, Claire. Isn't that great? Like, she was just, like, doing this novel while she's driving her daughter to, like, this meeting. That was really good, your delivery of that. Oh, I think thank you. It, it, your spinoff of this podcast should be you reading uh, adult fiction. Oh, oh, my God. Ask the mister. Brentley, bitch, presents Erotica After Dark. Bitch, Fabio better be on the cover. But, like, literally, like, she is just, like, a novelist who's always on the go and always writing every second. So, like, she tells Claire, like, what am I going to tell your agent? And by that, we find out that Claire's a child actress. And Claire's just like, I want to be a normal kid. I want to do just normal things. So can you just cover for me? So we kind of see the dynamic of all these girls. They all come from, like, different, like, backgrounds of Beverly Hills. Like, I feel it's like, this group is so diverse, and I just cannot wait to see the, the, the insanity that ensues as we get further into the movie with these girls. So, we do see that these girls are not like the Red Feathers. Like, they have a lot... A little bit of a misfit group in comparison to what you would expect from the Wilderness Girls. Yeah, they've got, like, they've got their moments, and they're not, like, quote-unquote, like, not as polished because they don't have uniforms. And Phyllis is like, why don't y'all have uniforms? And they're just like, well, no one ever got us uniforms. And Phyllis is like, oh, well, that's going to change, bitch. I got a black belt in shopping. Let's go. And I lived. She was very much like that troop leader. It's like, listen, if I know anything, I know how to shop. She was the drag mom who said, baby, we got to get this together. Baby, we got to get you right. And so she takes them to this, like, uniform store. And it's so funny because she... Is like trying these like different like trying on like an actual outfit, and we see the shop lady is a famous notable cameo, Miss Jo Marie Payton from Family Matters and Proud Family, and we get an early her. So hey, Miss Jo Marie, and it was just really funny because Phyllis comes out and it's just like bland, like khaki, khaki, sad too long like little fitting like basically the dress was down to her ankles and she's like oh girl it was giving it was giving frumpy puss 
And she basically feels just like, we can't do this. We're not doing this. I have a designer, which I mean, a lady can always use a designer. So she's like, let me call all right. All right. All right. And brings basically this awful wilderness girl outfit uniform to Henri. And she's like, can you do something with this? Can you do anything with this? And he, in the sassiest gay voice, goes, you mean besides burn it? Bitch, he was so... Reading the girls. Reading the girls. Basically, is like, I'll see what I can do. Just reading. And uh, when we see it, baby, Henri got to work. Oh, baby. In 24 hours, he this turned... This outfit, the piping. He turned The detail, out. the structure, the silhouette, the cape, the garment. It is... Mm, I need it. Ugh. I need it yesterday. Yes! So the next day we're taken to the Wilderness Girl Leader Orientation. So they're getting all of the troop leaders together. Uh, they're instructing them. So Velda's at the top. Miss Temple is leading everybody. And Velda basically is going over the rules, the regulations, the expectations, um, and laying them out for the troop leaders. But she's um, ex-military, so she's doing it in this excruciatingly like intense way mm -hmm. she's scaring people off she's literally like if you think you're just here to sell cookies and shit like that and you know but, 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 but she's like then get out and people leave people are like i can't do this she's like you need to hit the fucking road right toots. and i was like damn i would have done that too so when they're when these people are exiting phyllis we see now her outfit which like moment of silence for the outfit Ugh. Ugh. Beautiful. Self can good. Walks in with the cape, a long cigarette holder in hand, and is just looking, you know, the image of glamour in this khaki, and comes stumping in. She's like, oh, hello, hello, oh, goodbye, oh, so sorry, da 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 da, -da. and causing a whole scene <laughs> just by her presence, which, like, you know, that's the way to do it's it. That's what you do. Walk into a room and disrupt it. But Velda is pissed. Ugh. She's watching this all happen. It's interrupting her spiel. And Phyllis is trying to make her way to a seat with, um, essentially her gorgeous outfit that is taking up way more space than any of these other fronts. But it's gorgeous. Yes. And so then, uh, Velda calls her out and, uh, because Velda is pissed that Phyllis has interrupted her whole program. And so Phyllis basically is like, oh, well, since you're, um calling attention to me, I'm going to take advantage of the situation. Oh, baby. And now I'm going to ask you questions and draw more attention to myself. <laughs> so Phyllis um, is starting to demonstrate that there's there's some brains behind the beauty and, and something that we as a viewer were told that maybe wasn't there. And yeah. she suggests maybe instead of cookies, there's a better way that we can raise money. If that's the end goal of this, maybe there's a better way. And so she suggests something very Beverly Hills and it's like, let's have a telethon. We can have performers. We yes. can invite friends. Da, 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 da. And, um, and Velda is not having that. It's not the way of the wilderness girls. And we are, we're quickly introduced to the dichotomy of the wilderness girls stand for this and Phyllis Neffler and her ideas are not in aligned with mm. That image. Mm, they ain't having none of her shit. After the meeting, we are taken to Phyllis's house later that night, and uh, it's she's trying to find her place as um, a good mother to her daughter through this separation. But she's also grieving the, this separation from her husband, and is trying to to process that and her feelings, which are which are complicated a bit, um, humorous for us to watch. And uh, we see Phyllis sort of like connecting with her husband, watching the, the commercials that um, she helped to sort of inspire. And we're, we see him in his muffler man. Oh my God. In his full glory. It's ridiculous. Just this like silver tube that he's in. But it's like an oversized tin man. Trying to serve. No. <gasps> trying to. And uh, as she's watching this, there's a car that pulls up in the driveway. Lights are on. And in it is the most 
ridiculous hooker outfit I've ever seen. So tight. I have it, though. In the closet. Stop. But it is this, like, blue, purple, leather, tight, like, tufted outfit. And we are introduced to Lisa, who is um, clarified by Hannah that that is her dad's realtor trying to help him move out. Realtor. Yeah. A realtor who's dressing like that is is not just selling houses. Baby. And so uh, we make an assumption that there's... She's selling something for sale. Yeah. There's something more going on between <laughs> Lisa and Freddie. And so Phyllis is, um, is a little bit hurt and jealous by this. And so she's like, I'm going to see what is going on. And it's late at night. She's like, what is, going, what is this lady doing pulling up to my house? So she watches Lisa go over to the guest house and Phyllis is trying to get a closer look at these um, nighttime activities as she refers mm. to them. And uh, so she climbs out on the on the um, balcony and she starts kind of <laughs> climbing this tree, I guess, or scaling one of the plants. Right. Um, not gracefully by any means. And so she's got, um, she's trying to get this closer look inside of what's going on. And there's nothing ultimately illicit that she sees. But because Phyllis is the image of grace, she falls out of this tree. And God damn it. Continues to draw attention to herself in situations where she maybe wouldn't want that. And uh, essentially, Freddie comes out and realizes what was going on. And she has to awkwardly leave the situation with the uh, with Lisa and Freddie having the knowledge that she was trying to spy on them. Oh, girl. That that's that right there, too. It's just like that awkward moment where it's like she's got branches in her hair. And she's just like, he's like, night, Phyllis. And she's like, yep. That's when you are like trying to show up to an event where your ex is going to be there and you want to look hot and like make them jealous and you spill your drink on yourself or something embarrassing happens. That was, and, it was that moment. And basically like the uh, top to your car basically fucks your hair up and <laughs> and then it's just a big old mess. Yeah. And then nobody misses you. <laughs> but as we awkwardly say goodnight to Freddie and Lisa and get ourselves together as well. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Let's take a break on that one. And we are back. Now, it is the next morning, and let me just tell you, it is our first camping trip with the girls, and we have Phyllis as our troop leaders, so you know it's not just going to be an easy, like, trip out the door. Like, basically, it just goes to show none of these girls, nor Phyllis, has ever been camping, and it shows. Like, Phyllis walks out, she's got, like, a fur coat on, and, like, 12 bags, and Hannah's just got, like, one bag, and, like, her pair of sunglasses, and she's just like, Mom, we're only going overnight and Phyllis is just like girl uh uh-uh we're not doing this in the wilderness of life you can never be too prepared and it's just so funny too because like again she has her little like cigarette stick and just just you know girls you ready to rough it and like as she's saying that we look out on on the driveway and all we see are just limos and a party tent truck just waiting on like them to come out and go to this campsite because you can't just go to a campsite with you know without a bunch of luggage so ultimately they take everything like their whole closet and it's just really funny to me that i'm the same way i pack the same way 
I I'm going for overnight, and I will pack like two bags. A lady can never be sure. You never know because you never know what the night's gonna bring. You can need outfits for X, Y, or Z. And that's what Phyllis Nether did. Absolutely, because she didn't know. So we are taken to the campsite, which is actually in the Hollywood Hills. Like we actually see the Hollywood sign in the distance, so they're not too far from it, but goes to show you that we're kind of in like the woods, middle of nowhere right now. Well, their definition of wilderness and woods is maybe different than what others would expect. Probably. You're probably right. They're probably like in like the most like... It was pretty open clearing and all of it. Right? They're like at like Runyon, like the Runyon Trails in California, girl. So we see that they've got like huge tent setups and like craft cater services and volleyball nets and all kinds of crazy shit that in real life you really wouldn't like take on a camping trip. And it's so funny to me because, like, Phyllis is just sunbathing in a fur coat, just living the luxury life. And it's just like the girls are just like, well, we were supposed to set up tents, but they did that for us. So now what do we do? And it was just so funny because, like, they walk up on Phyllis, like, just sunbathing. And they're like, you shouldn't be smoking, Miss Neffler. And she's just like, it's cool. You know what? I'm fine. And it's like, you know, Smokey the Bear doesn't approve of this. She's like, you know what? Smokey the Bear isn't going through a terribly messy divorce. So. Facts are facts. Facts are facts. I bet you if he was going through a messy divorce, he'd be smoking something. (laughs) And it's later that night that we are just sitting around the campfire. Instead of roasting marshmallows and making s'mores, we're doing it up. We're making fondue. Chocolate fondue, to be exact. And it's just like, again, showing you that these girls aren't doing the normal things that you do at camping. And so, like, they're just sitting there just talking about making espressos. And it starts raining. And rain is no friend to anybody, especially if you're, like, a drag queen or a high-fashion person. Rain is no-go. Fur and feathers in the rain is oh a my disaster. God. And there's mud. No, so... She takes a fall. She takes a fall, and it's just so funny because, like, the girls are in the tent, she's trying to get the fondue and her hat in this chunky fur and mud and heels, and poor thing, she just looks like a wet St. Bernard. Just... When That moment when she stands up and she has, <laughs> you know, the, the hat in her in her teeth... She looks so defeated. And it is just such an image of of what's happening in this moment. Absolutely. Just the rain coming down at her, just being like, hmm. And so they're just like, let's just give up. She's like, no, we can't give up just yet because we haven't sang Kumbaya. And fun fact for you, this actually was an improvised moment at the table read of this film. They were just reading the lines and Phyllis just started busting out a kumbaya and the director loved it so much that he decided to keep it in so without that iconic little song or improv moment we wouldn't have not had you know a really iconic moment in this film it was perfect yeah good job shelly good job miss shelly and so with that she basically takes the girls and they retreat to the beverly hills hotel for the night And no what better way to, like, spend a camping trip than at a hotel, right? This is so silly. I love it. It's so lush. And so, like, it's so funny, too, because she actually calls, like, the headquarters. And she's just like, I'm going to leave a message for Velda. And just let you know that her recommendation of a campsite was just bad. It rained. 
And there were no outlets. These accommodations were uh, not up to par. Not at all. And it's just so funny because she's just so like, we're fine. We're gonna, we're at the hotel now. So we're much better, like, you know, acquainted here. And it's also one of those that she is like, all right, girls, let's get some room service and let's really do it up because you don't get room service in the wilderness. So she got room service and they're living it up. Big old slumber party at this point. Yes. And so they start telling scary stories around the campfire, which is really like the fireplace. Yeah. (laughs) A flashlight. A flashlight. And so they're telling the stories of like just scary stories. And it gets to Phyllis. And Phyllis is like, I really don't know any scary stories. So she's like, all right, I have a story for you girls. And so she starts telling them the story about this time she went to go get her hair done at Kristoff's. And she's just like, there was a guy named Ronaldo. He was new, and he told me, I'm going to do your hair. I'm going to strike your hair and give you a body wave. And just describing this, like... His hands were cold like ice. Like, just this story that is so scary. And the underscoring is like, doo-doo-doo. Oh, God, it's so, <laughs> so suspenseful. And it's one of those that we eventually get to the, another iconic line from this movie. Sierra, please say it. He permed me! And the girls lose their goddamn mind because... Oh, it's so funny. This it, I cackle every time. <laughs> I want to do this whole monologue as a mix. Like, Please do. Like, if you ever do, I will run to the ATM and come back. Because this is right up there with, like, the flame, flames, yes. flames. It's right up there. Like, this he permed me is so funny. And again, so iconic. And it then leads to the aftermath of that, which is basically the girls just asleep. And Phyllis just kind of being, like, her motherly self. And... Taking, like, marshmallow bags from, like, sleepy hands and taking glasses off and covering girls up and just doing things that moms would do at, like, a normal sleepover. And I always thought that was just, like, such a sweet little moment. She's definitely coming into her own as, like, she she entered this wanting to be closer to her daughter. And you can see that she's being that mom for her daughter and her friends. Absolutely. She's got eight. She's got seven new daughters now. Yes. So the next morning after the girls all wake up, we're sort of taking on a little brief tour around the hotel where they're staying. And in their minds, this is um, this is roughing it. And roughing. as an audience, we were shown that there are guests at this hotel like Frankie Avalon and Annette Fidicello who are out jogging for the morning. So just casually. this is not just any, uh, you know, motel number five type of situation. No. Um, so then based on the phone call that they received, Velda and her assistant Annie march up to the hotel uh, to respond to Phyllis. Is uh, voicemail complaint essentially okay. <laughs> to see what all this ruckus was, and so they knock on the door, and uh, there's there's some hilarious sort of altercations between the girls and Velda and all of that as they storm into the room. Oh yeah, and Phyllis is trying to explain the situation a little bit to them, and she says Velda is basically like, you know, this is your idea of roughing it, and and Phyllis goes, one bathroom for nine people. Yes. <laughs> Which, that is roughing it. It is. Which, fun fact, ding, ding. Uh, that same line was then used. Velda obviously liked it because, or the, the actress playing her, because she used that again in the script for the Brady Bunch movie with Shelley Long. Oh, work, yes. Which, so funny. 
Um, so then Velda is basically displeased with this entire situation again. Doesn't this, None of this aligns with her idea of what the wilderness girls are supposed to be. So she's belittling the girls. She's telling them this is not up to standard with the wilderness girls, you know, needs and this, that, or the other. There was a, a whole nails. troop out there and they, you know, they ate squirrel meat and they didn't use the restroom for days. And Phyllis goes, must have been squirrel meat. <laughs> she says it so fast. It was so good. The delivery was amazing. <laughs> But after this, it's basically, you know, Phyllis's boss has t- torn her down. She's supposed to be broken down. And she sort of has this, like, Elle Woods, Legally Blonde moment where she's like, you know what? I can do it. I need to turn this around and I can be... Well, it's time to get serious. You know, it's, it's that song, it's in, that this, song. in this moment. Yeah. And so she's like, I can be a good leader. Now, when she's having this moment where she's, you know, feeling really confident about herself, it's then again sort of taken down a peg because we find out that her her husband is now making Lisa his more serious girlfriend. Hmm. And Hannah, um, their daughter, is is taking that pretty hard. She's finding out they're not the only women in, in her dad's life that Lisa's sort of replacing her in a way. She used to have this tradition where, with her dad where they would go to the Dodgers games and, um, and Hannah wasn't invited. Lisa was taken instead. So that's a pretty hard blow for the yeah. family. The side piece is becoming the main dish and and nobody likes that we are next taken to the wilderness girl craft fair which is this is is a psychotic situation that's happening it's it is a a show and tell of whatever projects these troops were working on yeah and uh we meet some of the wilderness girls who are in the red feathers troop cleo and jamie Jamie is um, actually played by Tori Spelling. Tori Spelling! Famous from 90210, of course. Not to rag on a child, but she's looked better. She, puberty did well for Tori Spelling. Absolutely. And, and I'm sure a few doctors did too. <laughs> Definitely some doctors. And um, we find out Cleo, who was the other Red Feather who was with her, um, is Velda's daughter. She calls her mom. And Velda wants to keep that sort of on, on the hush-hush. Uh, she says Nick's on the mom business. And Cleo is giving very like um, a trans mask energy maybe. No! There it is! Uh, like there's a, there's a pipeline for you uh, when you when you grow up from oh, this baby. Cleo. Oh baby, sure, sure, sure. So Phyllis and and her troop is obviously at the craft fair as well. And Phyllis walks up and compliments all the patches that the Red Feathers have on their vest. And oh, about the Red Feather thing, like we're not doing that in 2020. That's so like Eek. content warning. Yeah, it's very which is so funny. So I did a little bit of I did a little research. And um, so over reporting on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Who does that? Investigative <laughs> investigative journalism. Um, so the Boy Scouts have a history of cultural appropriation of indigenous cultures it's like sort of rooted in their founding which is is so interesting to find that out and then the girl scouts in their teachings is is much more aligned and integrated and celebratory in a, a way that is not appropriative of any of those pieces and, and they sort of created their own safe space and so it's interesting in watching this film there are a couple moments that are a little like <laughs> cringe at this moment just from where they're coming from but it's you know the cast is is female so we're sort of this is around the idea of what the girl scouts is but the notions of the wilderness girls are very boy scout aligned Mm. which is sort of this interesting dichotomy and analysis in the real world it's like oh okay at the time boy scouts was probably more of what people were familiar with and so this is this is sort of that mirror being held up to it and so this idea of the red feathers probably would have happened in the boy scouts i know that there was a lot of appropriate of traditional garb in Boy Scout ceremonies, but not in Girl Scouts. So anyways, it was just an interesting reflection that this movie was centered around Girl Scouts, but that the values that we're sort of seeing that don't age well or not reflective are still sort of common practice for the Boy Scouts. 
Bitch, that is wow. I, it, it, seriously, you can't see it, but I was like that open face, like mind blow emoji that entire time because that's crazy to me. I never would have thought that, but I guess is one of those things that that's why I buy from the Girl Scouts because they they love everybody. Yeah, like I've got a, a friend from my hometown who her daughter is a Girl Scout and she inspires me. Like she is a young lady who is like I like to sell cookies and I am here for it and just like the things that she does it's just she is such a like amazing example of what a wilderness girl should be or like a girl scout should be and it's just crazy to hear like that's how like you know boy scouts are like the yeah boys are fucking weird cancel the boy scouts cancel the boy scouts girl scouts support them they have a message of inclusivity they love everybody we love that and they've got great cookies boys just sell popcorn we have a lot of thin men's downstairs right now oh girl but uh, sorry to derail us a bit. No, no, was... no. I, I, we, we love a good fun fact. You know we do. Ding. Ding. Um, but yeah, Phyllis is looking at the patches that the Red Feathers have acquired. And there's there's a ton of them. And she's like, ooh, how'd you get those? Where'd you buy them? And they're like, you have to earn them, you dumb bitch. <laughs> I don't say that last part, but that is totally the subtext. Literally. The, the, the tone was very pointed. And they're like, listen here, you stupid lady. Like, <laughs> And Phyllis is like, oh, earn them. Oh, like jewelry. Yeah. Which I'm like. Oh, girl, what were you doing to earn the jewelry? She was like, I'll be good girl tonight. Pearl necklaces. Oop, yikes. So we're taking around the craft fair a little bit, and we come to Troop Beverly Hills presentation, which in in true uh, Beverly Hills style is a little bit um, off the expected path for what a wilderness girl would present. So they're doing this fashion runway capsule collection type of moment. And this invention, honestly, is is really, uh, it's ingenious in the way that they're approaching it. Yeah. So the ingenuity here was it was impressive, and they have this hiking backpack that is um, that opens up and expands to fit more of their closet. So for a girl on the go who's not sure what to wear, this is your hiking backpack, baby. Like I I need one of these it, for drag, honestly. Oh my god, perfect. Somebody get on this, right? But um, the rest of the organization is not here for this moment. Like they, you know, and what what I loved about the presentation of this, so they have the model who's modeling the product. Claire. And it off. And then you've got the rest of the girls on the side who are giving very like one, two step bounce Come hip on, motions. Poses. Like, and then, the, you know, there's a narration, there's a voiceover. So it was a whole production. It was, it was a whole production. Like, girl, baby, this is like a fashion show for this backpack. They were selling it. I was buying it. Like we said, full circle moment. And the girl, the the rest of the wilderness girls are like, "Boo! Get off the stage! This is trash!" And it's so sad because you can tell that the the true Beverly Hills is so disappointed by I this, know. which like, is a shame. They worked hard. I mean, they're just jealous that they didn't think of it. Like haters, jealousy is a killer. Jealousy is a killer in this industry. industry. <laughs> so from there, Velda is displeased yet again with what's going on with these uh, this Troop Beverly Hills. So she's like, I need to figure out what is really going on in here so I can get them shut down. So she tells her assistant, Annie, she is going to plant her in Troop Beverly Hills as their new assistant uh, leader. Oh, God. And she wants her to spy on them to do some recon. And Annie is uncomfortable with this idea. She Her, her morals are a little bit more aligned uh, yeah. than Velda's are. Velda's are a little questionable. And she, so she's opposed to it. She's trying to stand up for herself. And Velda's like basically blackmailing her. She's like, I will put you back at Kmart so fast you won't know what hit you. Girl, when she pulled out the Kmart reference. Nostalgia. Oh my God. Attention, Kmart shoppers. She said blue, blue light, light special. special. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was so mean, but so funny. And so then Annie's like, fine. Yeah, I have no, I can't do that. So yeah, I'll do this. So because she's been blackmailed, Annie calls Phyllis. Um, she's sort of reluctant to do this. And she's like, hey, um, you know, I know that you're new to this. I think it would be helpful if you had an assistant later. What did you think about that? And Phyllis is like, oh, yes, it would be so helpful. <laughs> like, the, you know, the parents in my community, it's hard to get them involved. Everybody is so self-involved. And while she's saying that, she goes, oh, shit, I broke a nail. And Ew, she's distracted. Girl. Just so fucking, like, distracted by it. The irony of it all. And so they agree to let that to let that happen. Annie's gonna come on board, which is is good um, for Velda, who wants the wants the tea. So she crafts this spy kit for Annie, and this little montage is so over the top. She pulls out that knife in the book, and she goes, "Shink!" Oh, girl, stabs it in. It's carving out this part, and you're like, "What the hell is she?" What doing? I did, I was like, "What is she doing?" And then she takes out that camera and she holds it up and clicks it. Like again, the whole thing is so melodramatic. Sticks it into the book and pulls it up, and she's like, "Secret spy cam." And it was honestly kind of genius. <laughs> kind of, I mean, I feel like that would be kind of like epic to just be like. But yeah, they they wiretap Annie. They've got this camera that they've crafted out of this book. She is all set to go be the perfect spy planted inside of True Beverly Hills. <laughs> oh damn! Like literally, like I remember she put like that uh, like the mic in her lapel. Yep. And I'm just like, well, damn! Like she is like all the angles. They are gonna get some hot tea hot on tea. on what's going on in True Beverly Hills. So it's we too get to see what find hot. hot. <laughs> <laughs> And, it, and it's in this also after moment that we see Phyllis in her kitchen just grunting and groaning and we don't know why. But then we quickly realize that she's trying to open up a jar of mayo, which I've struggled with this. I've struggled with this before. I'm not, I only like lift five pounds. I'm so fragile. Oh, so fragile. I'm so fragile. But like she literally just is trying to open this like mayo jar while watching like a Jane Fonda yeah, workout. Yeah, quick cameo from Jane Fonda. Yes. I love Miss Jane. Looking incredible. <gasps> she's and she still looks great to this day. Like, oh it, yeah, it's so funny to see her in this little moment and to see her now. It's like what's changed? Yeah, I think maybe her hair is just a little bit longer. Yeah, that's it. That's it. She looks so good for her age. Hey, Miss Jane. She ain't listening to this, but it's yeah. fine. But basically, she sees Freddie like working out from across like the kitchen into the guest house, and baby, she's like, "I'm gonna go ask him for some help." She and knows. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. And baby, let me just say, Craig T. Nelson in this scene, <sighs> when he opens that fucking jar of mayo. Mm. Let the panties at the floor. Let the drop in. Baby, my basement like flooded like five times. I mean, you're not wrong. Oh, like he was, that was very much a sexual awakening. Like just chest hair for like days and just, I don't want to say he was like super skinny, but he had a little bit of like that kind of like dad bod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was before we called dad bod, dad bod. Yeah. It was like in the eighties, there were two types of male physique that were considered attractive. And one of them was like the overly worked worked out, probably roided, oiled, muscular, smooth body. The like Terminator, Schwarzenegger type physique. And we would see people portray that. And then the other was this like super hairy, dark chested, not overly muscular, but still like kind of, there was some thick padding happening on the, on the chest and the torso. And um, he's giving that. 
the daddy of it very all. that yeah tom Ooh. Selleck type of body tom that was it. Selleck, baby he's another one mm-hmm. so sexy but yeah baby craig t nelson in this scene oh yes and so we go on to the next day and we are having like, I'd say maybe like our first or second group meeting with the actual girls. And we basically find out that, hey, all the Red Feathers got all these like patches. So they ultimately are like, let's just make our own patches. We can do that, right? And Annie's like, I don't see a problem in that. There's nothing in the handbook that says you can't. So Phyllis is like telling the girls like, listen, I know you guys are feeling a little inferior to the Red Feathers and you want to quit, but listen, we need to do this our way so she's gonna basically help them earn these patches and how to survive in the wilds of beverly hills so we get this patch montage which is so funny to me like as as like the girls are getting their various patches we see like the various like forms of it in real life so we start with the grooming patch and in this moment the girls just go to like I think it was actually actually Christoph's Mm -hmm. and they go and get mani pedis and drinking cappuccino and just having a day with the girls a little pamper day day. a little spa day I mean it works I mean grooming patch so they put Annie the best part of this whole scene is is when they send Annie to the waxer. Oh, yeah. Miss Neffler was like, yeah, girl, you need to get get you right. And the lady's just like, oh, Miss Neffler said to give you the work. And she cackles. This evil laugh that she gives. She rips off that thing and she goes, oh! And then she rips off the other strip and she goes, oh! And then she's like, ha, 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 Like, very, like, Russian, like, like Inga. Like, yes. I'm, here to, I'm here to rip your wax hair. She took pleasure in that pain. She really did. And we move on to the next patch, which is the jewelry appraisal patch. And in this scene, so good. So good. Tiffany is just... Like, looking at this, like, canary diamond and just, like, it's got a great cut. It's, like, this many ounces. I'd say this is, like, 13,000 solid. And the guy's just, like, no shit. Like, yeah. She knew her stuff. She knew. Like, t- again, Tiffany was the business girl of this, like, entire troupe. And then we get the dance patch, which I love this scene so much. This scene was so fun to me because, like, Phyllis teaches these girls, like, different dances throughout the decades. And we get, like, some, like, classic bob. Like twist and shout, mashed potato, do the pony, do the twist, like pony time, and ironically, the Freddy, which is this a real dance? I think it is. I think it's actually a real dance because this is a sideways jumping jack. I mean, I didn't say it was a good dance. I mean, but like, but also really fun fact about this is that the reason why a lot of these songs were picked was because Shelley Long actually like handpicked them herself because she danced these in like high school and like her like younger days. So she was like, I know these dances. I'm going to teach these girls how to do these dances. But Freddie might be one that I don't know. I think that one was kind of like, uh, I thought they made it up for this film. They, you know what? I, I feel f- like they were like, her husband's name is Freddie. This song is called Freddie. Let's do this dance and let's make up this freaking exercise that it's it haunts my nightmares honestly it this re- dance is like do the friendly mm. like, uh, uh, no right it is and like i feel like the way they do it too it's it looks very psychotic american, <laughs> american horror story will use the song the friday in its next season oh my god girl that remix with like the horror theme intro that's gonna i be see it. it i see it girl ryan murphy she's listening she's listening she listens to everything. Um, and so, yeah, 
with that, she basically teaches these girls this dance, and I lived for this moment. It was so funny. And then, oh girl, we move on to the CPR patch. Now, mm. A, Officer Bill. Officer Bill. Officer Bill. He was like a, a soap opera type. Mm-hmm. He was blonde and gorgeous, California tan, and he basically is like, I'm gonna do um, the CPR on like you, Phyllis, and she's like, oh, and he's like, just lay it on, on your back and open your mouth, and she's like, well, last time I did this, I got more than a patch. <laughs> I'm like, damn, Hannah, that's how you got made. Hey, Hannah, this is how you got made. And fun fact for you, um, the song that's playing in the background is French Kissing in the USA. That was actually written by Chuck Lorre. And Chuck Lorre, you may know him from many like TV shows. He produced a lot of them, like Dharma and Greg, Two and a Half Men, Big Bang Theory, and so many more. But yeah, he actually uh, wrote this song. And it was performed by Blondie lead singer Debbie Harry. Love her. Like, honestly, like this is one of those songs that I feel like I hear it, and I just feel like it's not a real song. I feel it's like, you know how they make songs for movies that like they aren't real songs? They're just for movies. Yes. This is one of those songs I feel like I've never heard this in real life. Well, she's got better songs. She's just T. T. Vonna St. Clair. But in the whole CPR-ness of it all, Officer Bill gives Phyllis his number, and we see her write that down on that page, girl. She underlined. That bitch underlined. Underlined, because she knows. I'm that's, com- that's when you save in your phone. The modern equivalent of this is when you save in your phone, like, where you found somebody, and so it'll be Or like, how you know them. Yes. it'll be Or, like, you've got emojis, so it'll be like, so-and-so, school, so-and-so, and it's like, so-and-so, scruff. So yeah, this and then you're like uh, emoji just so you remember like, okay. what was happening there. David Growler. Yeah, underline. <laughs> underline. And so with that, we move on to the community service patch. Now this scene is just a chaotic in itself um, for on many reasons, but we end up at a retirement home and the girls are just casually like you know walking around like, would you want like you want to read a magazine? And like this old man's like, I don't want to read this magazine don't let me vote none of that gay shit yeah literally and like jasmine just comes up and he's like how about this and hands him like a penthouse and he's just like oh okay opens the centerfold oh yeah and it's so funny because his wife his little his little like old pressure of a wife is sitting next to him and just snatches it so plucked and so pissed like don't be looking at that and then we see the girls teaching we can't get rid of this freaking we can't get rid of this dance the girls are teaching the freddy to these old people the wheelchair. Oh There's God. a poor woman in a wheelchair trying to do the Freddy. Oh, she is. She was the one. Unbreaks, rolls away, but she, she's still doing a dance. Girl runs into a damn... The volleyball net falls yes. down in the background, which is so funny. You Nobody reacts, so you know that that wasn't supposed to happen. Yes, so funny. And she just keep dancing. Oh, and, my gosh. Aw, bless her heart. Haunts my nightmares. That's oh, my wrong. God. So, after that, we see the girls end up at the... LA courts and we come to find out that it is divorce court day for Phyllis and Freddie. Now, Phyllis being Phyllis, she is fashionably late yet again, but it's fine because this time she's got the girls with her. So I've, I've got an alibi. Got backup. I got backup. Yes, yes. And she walks in and she, they're all dressed up like really cute, like to the nines. And she was like telling the judge, like the judge is like this like old lady and she's just like, oh, we were describing fall fashions to the blind and she's just like, oh, that's fantastic. 
Like, just so taken back, like, by these, like, girls just describing fashions. And Phyllis was just like, I hopefully, that, you know, that's not too harsh, you know, for us to be in late. And I was like, oh, no. They were oh. doing community service. Yeah. So, I mean, they're doing what they're doing best. So, as a fellow woman, she's like, oh, I got this. Y'all, y'all are good. We do see that Freddie is being represented by Claire's dad. And Hannah and Claire are like, hi, daddy, hi, daddy. It is just so weird because, like, they're supposed to be all serious in this moment. But, like, they're just kind of like, hi, daddy. So we do find out that Freddie is wanting to speed up the process of this divorce because he wants to remarry and sooner than later to Lisa. And it just kind of, in that moment, it just crushes Phyllis. Like the girls all surround her and she's not even that pretty and girl, screw her, you're fine. And it's in this moment that we do see the girls and Phyllis kind of have that moment of like, we're a team now. Like we're, you know, in this through thick and thin. And the fact that, this scene ends on them getting the divorce court patch. It just kind of is like one of those moments. It's like she draws a broken home in I the know. patch, which is sad. But like I love every patch that they're doing. She's designing in that. Book. Oh God, yes, and they're so fabulous. They're cute. And so with that, Sierra and I are gonna go make our own patch. I don't know what yet, but we're gonna go make our own patches. And while we do that, we're gonna take another short break. are back and let me just tell you these patches glamour 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 patches fantasy the taco bell patch taco bell the dabbling and drag patch all of these are rhinestone custom beaded patches that absolutely we're wearing now. Mm, see get com- into it commercial breaks yes so it's our next meeting and the girls are learning some interesting things. Like they're learning that they are doing the damn thing in the community and making up patches left and right. And girl, like, let me just tell you. They're doing the thing. Phyllis tells them that they have earned 36 patches in record time, which to these girls' knowledge, they, you know, they're not really paying attention to like the why, where, how this happened. But yeah. they're like, wow, we're awesome. Six, 36 which patches. They are. I mean, they're, they are. They're doing the thing. They're learning all of the most important life skills. Absolutely. To live in Beverly Hills. So um, Phyllis tells them she wants to celebrate. She wants to host this patch awarding ceremony, inviting their parents. It's going to be hosted on a boat. It's going to be fabulous. Fabulous. And in, to do this, to give them their patches, Phyllis shares that it's going to cost seven fifty, which in watching this, part of me was like, is this $7.50? That's what or I thought too. $750, both of which feel like inaccurate numbers, even with inflation. Like I was like, $750 for them patches sounds like a lot. But I was like, well, they're custom patches. I don't know how much it costs. But then I was like, $7.50 sounds like nothing right so the the num- the math ain't math and for, math ain't math for ain't. me but it, that's part of what informs maybe my questions around emily's financial situation because we were saying earlier emily's dad was the out-of-work actor yeah so they were you know falling on hard times and emily storms out of this she's like i can't afford that and she you know it gets angry she's like this is stupid she's acting out but that's part of where i was like okay wait you can't afford 750 dollars, which i could understand or you can't afford seven dollars and fifty cents in which case girl we need to get you help we need to get you help so i was like which one is it and also if these patches are costing you that much money phyllis 
go to a different designer. Yo, girl. In my mind. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just patches. She said business mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then Phyllis is like, you know, she's being the comforting mom, the troop leader, and she runs out after Emily and she's she sits her down and she understands where, you know, she knows what's going on with Emily. So she she wants to comfort her and she tells her this anecdote about a time in Phyllis's life where, but she says, you know, a, a woman, this friend, this person, <laughs> I know, my cousin. Yeah, but it's, you know, it was obviously about her. She says um, she was shopping at Neiman Marcus and she had her credit card taken and cut up <gasps> in front of all the other patrons of the store. Mortifying, embarrassing. And she was, she's trying to, you know, share a bit of a personal story with Emily so she doesn't feel this bad. And Emily was like, was that you? Oh my God. <laughs> it was her like you know but it was endearing it was sweet and it was a good way to relate to her and so tiffany business mogul tiffany business mogul tiffany she you know she takes some of the money that she laundered off of her father and she's like girl i got you and she she says this line which honestly is so funny she's you know phyllis is like money isn't everything you know having friends is everything that's what's the most important thing and tiffany goes but having friends with money is even better. Like, honestly, I'm like, damn, yes. Like, yes. she's so funny. So with that, the girls now are all set to get their patches. They yes. all have the money for it. So we're taken on this yacht, which is, it is, it is not just a yacht. It is the yacht. It is Bitch, huge. it was huge. It is gigantic. So again, like the scale, the grandeur, the pageantry of it all. There's is, a 750 right there. Tr- right. <laughs> More than that. 750 plus a couple of zeros. Oof. So we're we're taking on the yacht, and we you know we're reintroduced to some of the the troops' parents, and um, we find out that Chica's parents are always on a vacation. So she, their parent, her parents are um, are absent from this whole shindig, mm. and the patches through the ceremony, Phyllis is awarding them. Some of the ones that we find are given away are the friendship patch, shopping, international affairs, sushi appreciation, fire prevention. And gardening with glamour patch. Yes, you there's that one. There's a story around some of them that are shared, and it's you know again the hilarity of how these patches are coming to be or being awarded is there. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just important that these girls are feeling accomplished and like they're yeah. learning something. And Hannah is is being given her patches, so she's up there with her mom. Her mom's feeling very proud, and um, and Freddie, Hannah's dad, comes up, and they, they're having a family moment together while Hannah's getting awarded. And so when they go to, they've put the patch sash on her, and Phyllis goes to kiss Hannah, and Hannah ducks dramatically. She's playing this, very parent Oh, strategics. Yes, and um, Freddie and Phyllis share a kiss, a brief little peck. And it's sweet, and it, Hannah is obviously trying to do what she can to keep her family together. Absolutely. And Lisa, jealous bitch Lisa, honestly, like, Lisa. Lisa could have endeared me because I was like, this hooker outfit that you have on is such a serve when we first meet her. And then the more that we meet her, we're like, you are the actual worst. And so she throws a fit over this peck that's accidental. It's not like they were making out, it's not like she, whatever. So she's like, <gasps> How dare you? Girl. Demos. Like, she falls off the boat. (laughs) She is clumsy bitch, or she gets knocked off the boat. Honestly, I'm like, somehow you went from on the boat to in the water. What, how that happened, physics don't apply. No. But the line... That Phyllis said. <laughs> Lisa's floundering in the water and she's like, throw me a lifesaver. And Phyllis goes, you know, mint or wintergreen. <laughs> and like, 
so passive aggressive, but like such a great quippy response. And then she's like, she'll be fine. Silicone floats. Baby. She is reading her down. Reading it all at her worst. It was so funny. <laughs> that scene, I mean, there are so many moments from this movie that we are, are cackling about because they just stick with you. They stick and, with And those little one-liners that they feed in, those are the ones where when you hear it again, you're like, oh my God. So the writing in this film is, or the improv, whatever it was, is so funny. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So next we are taken to a meeting with um, some of the, the Wilderness Girl leaders. And Velda is sharing some of the evidence that she's collected through Annie's spy cam that she's, as she's planted her there. And so she's got this this whole slideshow presentation going on. And she's like, this, this is what these girls have been up to. This is this. Da, 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 da. And Miss Temple was looking at it. And Miss Temple, she's got her head on right. She's so smart. She is looking at all of this. And she's like, you know what? I don't see anything wrong happening here. And and I mean, we see some things that are maybe a little questionable. You know, Phyllis is pouring wine into the stew at the patch ceremony. She's taking the girls to the jewelry store. And then Tiffany is is taking bribe money. And all of these things were caught on candid camera. But none of it is really that egregious. No. And at the end of the day, it's surrounded by passion and care for this troop and the girls. And that, Miss Temple sees through whatever Velda is trying to push. The facade of it. Yes. And Miss Temple is like, you know what? I don't see what you see. I see a woman who cares about these girls and who's taking an interest in them. And that is what makes a good wilderness troop leader. And Velda is gooped and gagged. Oh, she's so pissed. Like, she literally was just like, because I mean, like, Miss Temple, she knows. Like, she basically just knows that these girls are in great hands. I mean, granted, yes, some of the things that Phyllis does instill, I mean, they're a little unconventional, but... What is convention these days? Yes, there's a lot of heart there. But yeah, Velda is plucked. Annie at this point is like, oh, thank goodness this is over. Like, I, She's done. Yeah, this gig can be done. I don't I don't want to spy anymore. And Velda's like, no, we have to double down our efforts. <sighs> so instead of, of letting Annie off the hook, she blackmails her again into this idea of her moving in with Phyllis to Jesus. try and... Which, whatever happens in Phyllis's personal life shouldn't really be a fireable offense from the, the wilderness girls as a troop know. leader. So I, this plan sort of falls thin for me. The first one, Velda, sure, I'll give you that. Like, right. you're being extra, but fine. This one, I'm like, who cares? Who cares what Phyllis is doing? So, But anyways, she um, has Annie fib about this story about her apartment, and she is able to move in with Phyllis. And Phyllis, I mean, that house has so many rooms. It's like, who cares? You know she's got at least five or six. So then they get her sort of set up at the house, and um, and Annie's feigning appreciation for it. She's like, oh, you know, the, the situation's so hard. Thank you. And Phyllis is trying to make some small talk with her. They don't, they've been working together, but they don't necessarily know a ton about each other. So <laughs> she's like, you know, what do you do for fun? Do you have any hobbies? Do you have a boyfriend? She's like, if you mean a boy that I'm romantically interested in, no. If you mean a friend who is also a boy, also no. <laughs> Which there have definitely been times in my life where I feel that strong. You're like, oh, got nothing. Damn. After they get settled, Rosa calls everybody downstairs and there's a kerfuffle. There's panic. There's something going on. And Chica is upset. She's come over and she's distraught she's sobbing and she reveals that her parents have gone out of town which we had learned earlier is not unusual but on this particular date it is her birthday which miserable nobody should be left alone or sad on their birthday exactly and phyllis again is demonstrating that she's not just a mom to hannah she's now sort of like a mother figure for these girls absolutely and quickly comforts her and rosa being the quick thinker and the great caretaker that she is is like give me 10 minutes she sneaks off to the kitchen. I 
I can't tell what she made. I think it's a burrito. I thought it was just like a burrito. Yeah. Like, I think, what well, she's be told, I think she just like took like what well, The like, meal that she was making. Yeah, and just kind of threw candles in it. Which is great. But yeah, I think she she pulls this burrito casserole out of the out of the oven, throws some candles on it. And then Annie and Marissa come out singing happy birthday. And mm. Hannah comes down to comfort her friend. And Chica definitely, you can tell she feels the love now. And she's feeling much more comfortable about everything that's going on. That was on. the sweetest moment. Like, I, I definitely love that moment because it's in this moment too because I feel like Chica actually felt like she belonged. Because I feel like this whole movie, she's just kind of like, I'm here. Very rigid. Yeah, and I feel like this, like this moment kind of like, it didn't break her walls down, but it, it broke down her walls for that particular character. And so now you kind of sympathize a little more because you know she has a heart and she's not just like this cold, frigid girl. You understand why she is the way yeah. she is. Yeah, like I mean, I'd be pissed if my parents went around all the time later. Totally. So the next morning, the girls are at the cookie cupboard to pick up their cookies with the other troops. This is basically like the uh, distribution center for the Wilderness Girl cookies. And they've got boxes and boxes full of them. Yeah. So Velda is announcing everything that it needs to happen in order for them to sell these cookies and the prizes and the opportunities that they get if they sell a certain amount of, of cookies. So there is the Wilderness Girl Jamboree that happens each year. And essentially, um, this is only available to certain troops that meet a sales goal. Mm-hmm. Um, very business uh, incentive. Very and at the Jamboree, you then compete, basically in the Hunger Games. Oh, God. Uh, to be awarded the, the poster troop. That is your prize. It is you are winner of the year. You are the troop you are exemplar. The... You are the, you know, the model troop. To you are the to. moment. Yes. Now, come on now. <laughs> So we are told that the goal uh, in order to be qualified for the Jamboree is a thousand boxes, which that's a lot of cookies. That is a lot of fucking cookies. so many cookies to sell, which if you're a smaller troop like the Troop Beverly Hills, that feels unattainable. Mm. And the top three Girl Scout cookies that are sold in, and I don't know if these are the same flavors that they were selling in the Wilderness Girls. Maybe they had some better ones. Maybe they had some new ones, made up ones. I don't know. But um, the top ones that are sold are Thin Mints. Caramel Delights and Peanut Butter Turnabouts, which Thin Mints and Caramel Delights uh, are definitely some of my favorites. Those are my two favorites. Are they? Yeah. I don't drink much, hardly at all anymore, but I remember several years ago, I challenged myself to make cocktails inspired by all of the Girl Scout flavors. <gasps> what? And paired them with like the Girl Scout cookie as a garnish. And it was, and to be fair, those were the two best cocktails. Oh, I bet. Like a chocolate peppermint. It was tasty. Did you crumble like on the top too? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh! I'll pull out, I'll pull out some pictures at some point. Oh, honey. So then... True Beverly Hills is feeling super excited about the opportunity for them to sell a thousand boxes and be a part of the Jamboree. And Velda basically looks at Phyllis and is like, you could never. You could never. You and your made up fucking patches go back to Party City where you belong. Uh, That's exactly what That is what she gives her. That's exactly the newt she gave. Phyllis is feeling frustrated because Velda's being a total bitch. And she goes back to her troop and she's like, girls, I'm so sorry. Like, we're not going to qualify because our patches are made up. And the girls look at her and they're like, patches? We don't need no stinking patches. They are so sure of themselves. Self-affirmed. They got this. They know who they are and they are ready to deliver. And that type of confidence came from Phyllis. As the troop leader. She, She literally. She got those girls together. She said, do better. You know what you can do. And the girls had started to believe in themselves. So no matter what Velda is trying to take away from them, they're like, we already got it. We already know what we're serving. 
Oh, yeah. Like, at one point, they're just like, you know what? Tiffany was like, you know what? Normally, I'd ask for a refund, but this one's on the house. Like, you know what? They can have this fucking sash. That doesn't see, that doesn't prove who we are. We are who we are. We don't need the glitz and the glam that everybody else has. We know who we are, and we know what we stand for. Which, again, girl boss energy. We love to see it. So the troops are all basically saying how much, uh, how many boxes of cookies they want to take based on what they think they can sell. Mm. So you've got, you know, your average level groups and they're like, we'll take a hundred, we'll take 300. And the red feathers are like, we'll take a thousand. Of course they will. Yeah. They're being, yeah, literally they're trying to (laughs) showboat. And then true Beverly Hills is like, we'll take 2000 boxes. Girl, they said, try it on me. The girls were cutting eyes. They were like, Oh, honey, I feel like Red Feathers got fucking whiplash just turning their heads so the quickly. broke. Girl, they, they were like, we'll uh, see, we'll see what you can do. Oh, they did. They literally told those girls like, mm, okay, good luck. Like, I'm sure you won't sell those. And Velda's just relishing in that they won't. And so they start basically trying to sell these cookies. And they start going to like around their neighborhood. And they start knocking on doors. And it's so funny too because they have like designer store bags like carrying all their shit. And it's like, you better work. Like they've got like Aldo bags and like Ralph Lauren bags and all these like Beverly Hill like Rodeo Drive staple bags. And they keep knocking on doors and keep getting the same response. It's like, oh, I already got cookies from your friend with the red feathers with the, you know, with, the red, with their hats. And the girls are just like, are you fucking kidding me? And they go to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, notable, quotable, cameo. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's an NBA player, they go to his door. And he's just like, oh, yeah, I just got like a bunch of boxes from your friends. And they're just like, we don't have no fucking friends, who? And we see like the red feathers are just like, you know, tag teaming that entire neighborhood. And the girls are like, ah. And it's in this moment, too, that Rosa and Phyllis and Annie are just kind of like, this is bullshit. Like, these girls are trying their hardest and just getting cut off at the pass. Like, these red feathers just suck, man. And that's when Annie is literally like, I can't do this anymore. I have to change of heart. You know what? These girls, what they're doing is wrong. I need to be on the right side. So she literally just gets rid of everything that was a Velda spy kit device. So she throws like the wilderness girl book away with the camera and she just walks away. It's like, you know what? I'm done with this. And as for, you know, Velda having that hold over her, not anymore. Independent woman. Independent bitch. Lady Gaga said, free woman. Absolutely. So Phyllis then is also frustrated with this notion that the girls are just, you know, taking over their turf. So she has like a a cookie meeting with the families of these girls. And she's just like, what can we do? Like, how can we do this? Because we want our girls to be successful, but we can't if the Red Feathers are just fucking it up left and right. And let me just say... Notable fashion moment again. Like, mm. this outfit was so fierce. It's like red blazer with like black sequins pinstripes and this like sequin feathered like bird it on it. It was her. a full bird structure coming mm. off of Baby. the Baby. And again, looking so fierce. Just, I, again, the fashions of this movie. I, this is why I invited you, Sierra, because fashion, you know, fashion girl. I love 80s fashion. Yeah. And this is right on the edge of that. It's giving like. The transition from Mugler into late 80s, early 90s. Yes. And we see Phyllis styled in things. That I, I don't think any of it is actually. 
especially in McClure, but like it's giving some it's of giving, that same reference. Serving, yes, yes. And it's just, it's in this moment too that like she, again, is like, what do we do? Like, how do we get this, you know, our girls to be successful? And Claire's mom is just so funny. She's just like, why don't we just buy all the box of cookies and, you know, just do that way? I was asking myself the same question. Same. Honestly. I mean, like, I mean, they don't really have to know where the money came from. No. As long as we sold the boxes, that's all we need. But it's about the journey. It is. It's about the journey. So Phyllis endures that on the parents, like, saying, like, I know, I thought about that. But at the same time, though, they would expect something like that from us. So let's go the opposite way and let's zig when they think we're going to zag. And so we definitely learn that we are going to be going about it the true Beverly Hills way Mm -hmm. of selling cookies. And get, I'm going to say, the one of the most iconic moments in cinematic history. We get the infamous cookie time scene song montage this is a drag show bitch so good like from start to finish this is like someone needs to do this song in real life they got that diva in a shake and go tina turner wig oh miss jasmine live vocals miss jasmine giving the vocals the girls had choreography in the background backup vocals Baby, they had dances, they had little sequin ascots. Yep. Girl, they did not come to fuck around. Phyllis has a little like one liner like feature moment on the track. Oh yes, like they fully recorded this out, like this little like single for this and moment. People are throwing the bills at the girls. Oh girl, give me them boxes of cookies, they said. And it's like in this moment, they are just selling left and right cookies. Like they're going on the ups now. Like at this point, they're selling cookies on Rodeo Drive. They're selling them at like a dinner club like how are they in a dinner club but yeah they're just cookies cigarettes cigars just selling all the narcotics and, that and one cookies lady, not no <laughs> <laughs> that one older woman was like oh yes i'll take some cookies and she's like yeah it costs money you gotta buy you these dumb bitch. Bitch. okay like, she's like uh-uh yeah, what, we're making comes for free right dinner dinner club not free cookie yeah. club she was. And like, what's crazy is that that was not a fever dream. So it's in the film, but on Disney, they cut it out. I mean, for obvious reasons. But like, it's not a fever dream. They actually are selling cigarettes and cigars alongside cookies. I mean, this whole montage is a fever dream. In this general. is it's wild. It is so wild. And like, at one point, Claire's like selling cookies and like autographing them, like at a book signing for her mom. Like, her mom's like signing her latest book, and like, the adults are there and then like Claire's like I'm signing cookies and like all the kids are on her side. I mean she's a child actress. Girl she said let's meet Claire and get cookies. Meet and greet. Right it's time for the meet and greet. VIP bracelet to the front. Yes I'm gonna sign your cookies. And these bitches get smart. They literally stand outside a woman's fitness club. And, you know, it's already hard enough trying to avoid temptation. And they're just like, you want to buy cookies? And the girl's like, mm-mm, we're good, we're good. We, we ain't got no money, we ain't got no money. And then when the girls say, we take cards? Girl, them bitches swarmed that table. They did. They said, what kind of cookies you got? And then we move on to a fashion show thrown by Phyllis. Because Phyllis... She ain't doing nothing easy or simple. So she does this fashion show inspired around like khaki inspirations and just khaki colors and just the true Beverly Hills like uniform overall. And we get a lot of notable faces in this like P Isadora and like Joyce Brothers. And it's so funny. The girls are there selling cookies too. Like they are just selling left and right business women. And we get again. Here we go. 
more notable fashions. We get like this gold lame version of her act of Phyllis's actual uniform. <gasps> the pheasant feathers in the cap. So good. It was rich. This was the Pokemon evolution, like the initial outfit. Yeah. Booger boots. Oh. The redo by uh, like her designer, breathtaking. Oh, baby. This- the Mega Evolution. Oh, baby, this is the History Remix. It was so breathtaking. Uh, yeah, this capsule collection, every look in it, honestly, was a serve. Oh, I this, bet. I this bet was you, the closer. I bet you anywhere, like, wherever, like, these outfits are, they need to be, like, under glass. I'm going to find them, and I'm going to figure out what size they are. Baby, I will also them, she said. <laughs> They'll fit. They'll fit. Ugh. I'm a belt-and-go kind of gal. Baby, that's what, I, that's what I love about you, bitch. Hell that's yes. Mm-hmm. And I'll we... Squeeze. And we do get another notable cameo from Robin Leach, who is the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous host himself. He is there and he is just giving khaki wishes and cookie dreams, bitch. I lived. And so after the initial fashion show, Phyllis calls up Velda and is just like, um, Velda, got a surprise for you, darling. Um, we didn't sell 2,000 boxes. And Velda is just like, oh, you didn't? Hmm, I knew you couldn't. Y'all so pathetic and useless. And then Phyllis is like, we sold like 4,732 boxes, bitch. Huh. And when I tell you, if Velda could have shit her pants in real life, she would have. She was gooped and gagged. Oh, baby. The page was pulled. She was not expecting. There is no better feeling, though, than knowing that somebody underestimates you and you know you're the one. And when you get to show them or tell them you are the one, they're like, oh. oh. Yeah, she really did. She told her, yeah, we we did this and so. And what's really funny is that Phyllis was like, oh, by the way, um, we're having a gala to like, you know, celebrate the girls. Like, and I want you to come and get the check. So, you know, black tie, nine o'clock, come see us and get the check and just being like extra about it because, you know, she's got something up her sleeve. Whether it's malicious or not, she's like, I want you to be a part of this and I want to show you to all my friends because we know. So, yeah, she calls and just rubs it in and invites her in. I lived. It was so, such a a humble brag moment. She got her together. (laughs) So then we cut to the gala that Phyllis had just invited Velda to. And Phyllis is in this trans flag, beautiful corset. (gasps) Yes. Pastel colors, poofy tools situation, like underneath, lots of volume. And the corset is very like Abraham Levy, like elevated off of the boost area. It is, it it was a moment, but like it wasn't rigid. It was, it had this like softness to it. Yeah. It was very interesting. Yeah. I was, I was not quite sure. I would love to get a deeper exploration of it. Again, where, who was the costume designer? Actually, these are the hard-hitting questions. These are the rover reporting that we should get. Yeah, okay. I missed the boat on that one. Sorry, I dropped the ball. You can fire me. Um, (laughs) I want to know who the costume designer was, if these outfits were custom-made for the movie, or Mm. if they were sourced from other collections. I have a feeling it's probably a mix. Obviously, like, her troop outfit was created for this film. Yeah. But, yeah, I I would be so interested to know, like, what, what of this was custom, and what of this was sourced, and then... Where did they go? Because, yeah, where do they go? Yeah, if they are... They better be under glass. I'll find them. I'll find them. I'll 
find them. <laughs> so yeah, this outfit was a serve. And then um, Claire's mom, Vicky, is always working on her book. She's busy bee, working gal. Busy bee. So she's sitting at the party talking into her tape recorder. Like every moment we meet her, she's working on a book. Yes. Whispering erotic nothings into this tape recorder. That's what I love about Miss Vicky. She's like, his member. And this, I'm like, ma'am. You're in an Arby's. <laughs> okay, <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> so then we find out that Phyllis set up Emily's dad with Tess's dad. Um, Emily's dad was the out-of-work actor and is now booked and busy because Tess's dad was the director. Yeah. And so Emily's dad's now playing the mob father in Tess's dad's new film. Which I love is that. New film, um, which is coming out. So it was great to see that, um, again, we're reinforcing this idea that Phyllis is, is really accomplishing something here. She's mm-hmm. inspiring the girls to be self-assured in what they can do. She's helping them with their personal issues, but not, not just helping them. She's helping their families and everybody really is rallying around Phyllis as this community leader through the work she's done for the Wilderness Girls of True Beverly Hills. Yeah. So then Annie reveals her makeover that she's had uh, with the help of Phyllis. And um, makeover is a word for it. It is a word. This outfit, honestly is one of the ones in the film that was a choice. It was a situation. Mm. I don't... I'm having trouble describing it. It's a little um, off-brand hooker meets ballet dance costume. Girl, this was like some Leg Avenue bullshit. It is strange. And maybe it's... I mean, I get that there's a juxtaposition between Annie, who's this mousy character that we've met, very, like, conservative, buttoned-up, quiet, and she's brought out in this bustier tutu situation. Girl! But it is... I just feel like there could have been... They could have put her in just, like, an open back dress or something, like... A little bit slinky, but yeah. not quite. This was giving almost. She was like, trying too hard. Yeah, it was costume and sleazy, like for no reason. Yeah. But they were trying to establish she's had a transformation at the hands of Phyllis. Now, whether or not that transformation is something that we would wear is it is a no. It's a boot. It's a boot. But she was feeling her toot fantasy. It's a boot from me, but it did catch the attention of a guest at the party. A notable cameo <laughs> from Cheech Marine. Yes. So there's um, this Imelda Marcos reference that's made uh, to the dictator's wife. They're, the guests are intermingling. And he says, so how many shoes do you own? Which is, you know, a little bit of a gag. But for people who are friends of the pod and also Drag Race viewers, Manila's season three Snatch Game character for anybody who was, missed the reference. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's who ins- that real life persona inspired this character. Oh, yeah. Uh, Designer juice. Yeah. So then Freddie, Phyllis's separated husband, comes to the party and begins really praising Phyllis. They have this sort of like sweet, endearing moment for... You see that all the things that Freddie had said about her at the beginning are starting to sort of become untrue in his eyes. He's seeing the value that she has. I love that. Like, he actually is stepping up and, you know, being like, I see what you're doing. It was it was sweet. And you hope that maybe this uh, means that there's a, a future for them together or that he can sort of see where this could go. Yeah. And Phyllis had invited Velda to the party and she begrudgingly shows up looking like the only frumpy librarian. Baby. This outfit... Not a stylist whatsoever. Talk about it too. And Phyllis comes over in her loofah extravaganza. And she's basically uh, drawing a spotlight directly on Velda. Which I'm I'm sure is the last thing that she wanted. But Phyllis is is in the spotlight as well with her. So she's creating all this attention at the party. She signals everybody to look at her so she can present the check of all the money that they made from selling over 4,000 boxes of cookies. Yeah. And Velda really is just wanting to snatch the check. She's like... 
like, I don't want the attention. I'm not here for your party or your celebration. Give me the freaking money. And so she takes the money. Phyllis is proud of herself and she leaves the event. Then Freddie is like, I need to talk to you. Oh. And you, you as a viewer are like, oh, this is going to be sweet. Is this going to be the moment? And he shares that he wants joint custody of Hannah. And this sparks an argument between the two of them. It was not where Phyllis thought the conversation was going to go. She was hopeful that this was maybe going to be a reconciliation. And Freddie is trying to make a case for why he feels like they should split the custody and implies reasons why Phyllis may not be suitable for, for full custody of Hannah. And she gets pissed. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. So she throws a champagne glass in Freddie's face and as she starts to storm off in dramatic flair she has a misstep and falls into the pool oh i literally felt so bad the first thing i said was like not the fashion it was you know the first misstep that she took the first tumble was the mud and the fur and the hat and the rain and all of that and we've seen her wet and sad before and this was (laughs) a a second time in the movie she falls in the pool and has to trench herself out in her sad now like all the all the tool that was giving this dress volume is wilting yeah And, and it was so funny too because like she falls in the pool and she's like, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. And Freddie's like, just stand up. Yeah, she's in the shallow end. And it's like, add insult to injury. <laughs> but that, honestly, what what was the cherry on top of this moment was as she's leaving, you know, the guests are drawn to the spectacle. Yeah, the chaos that's happening. And they're like worried or, or you know, concerned for what's happening with Phyllis. And <laughs> she says, we're going through a divorce. And everybody's like, oh, like, oh, like, oh okay, yeah, we, that, see, we see you, girl. That makes sense. We're fine. Yeah, they all uh, clearly that is a common occurrence in the Beverly Hills community over there. So after Phyllis has had time to dry off, we're at the next day. Hannah is packing to spend the weekend with her dad. Now mm-hmm. we're sort of putting into practice this idea of the of the shared custody. Yeah, Velda comes over shortly after Hannah leaves and basically tells Phyllis she is an embarrassment to the Wilderness Girls. She is not representing the ideals of the organization, and she's really tearing her down, gaslighting all the things that Phyllis has done. She's making her feel like shit. Yeah, and Phyllis starts to believe it. I mean, she is second-guessing her contributions. She's feeling bummed out. And so she's at home in this spiraling depression. Oh, my God. Watching old home movies, drinking these huge bottles of Evian. And so then her friend Vicky comes over and tries to snap Phyllis. We love Vicky. Yeah, she is, she is the good friend that you need. She's the good diva friend. She's like, we need to get out of this. We need to get out of this funk. And it, it, it doesn't really work, like... Phyllis is still feeling her feels. Girl, she's like, give me another Evian bottle, bitch. And just like 12, there's like a whole case of Evian. Drowns her sorrows in Evian. Which, I mean, good for you. She's staying hydrated. Stay hydrated, yes. Yeah. So then Phyllis comes to the conclusion that she needs to to hang up the hat, if you will. She's Mm going to resign from troop leader. And the girls basically are like, you can't quit. You've taken us this far. You can't give up now. We won't let you. And it is, this is the culmination of all the work that Phyllis has put in with this troop. It's very sweet. And we, we feel her confidence starting to be restored because these girls believe in her when she didn't believe in herself. Absolutely. And so then Freddie, as he gets home, um, is, is sort of informed that Phyllis was feeling bummed out by all this and she's contemplating quitting. And he's like, no, you're really doing something here. And and that again is like, you know, they're on the rocks. They're clearly going through it. But this is a moment where he's like, I I do see what you're doing here. And especially for our daughter, Hannah, like you need to keep doing this. So it's sweet. 
Like, he's coming around. Like, I feel that last night, yeah, he kind of was like, I'm here for one thing. But I feel that now that he's hung out with Hannah, he's kind of, like, realized that, listen, this is important to you and your mom. I should probably be on board. Yeah. We'd love to see it. I love that. And with that, we're going to go get another case to Evian because we're out. And we're going to do that and take one last break. And we'll be right back. back and y'all we have been leading up to this moment this entire film it's jamboree day they qualified for the jamboree we qualified we did it but we end up getting to the jamboree and are sadly missing true beverly hills they are not there and velda is just over the moon for this and it's also in this moment too that she basically is like telling the girls like these are the rules like you must follow your coordinated color like flag around this path and whoever makes it back the fastest they get to go on to the next day which is like top three or whatever so basically as she's telling all the wilderness girls this she starts hearing horns and sirens and they're like what the hell is that and it it's true beverly hills baby we ain't we ain't going out without a fight phyllis said so they could the girls pull up and they are just living the dream they're like let's do this we're here and velda's like Get your goddamn car off my friendship circle. Just real pluck. Just real yeah. mad. And at that point, she's like, you know what? Fine, go! And just shoots the gun. And just starts it without them even, like, being prepared. So... Everybody starts running and, like, going around them. So they're like, fine, we're, we've got, like, a five-minute disadvantage. Okay, we'll make this work. And it's in this moment, too, that Velda is like, oh, yeah, hey, Annie, by the way, you're fired. You can't go with them. Such a dick move. Such a dick move at the finish line, too. And basically, Annie's like, I can't do anything. I'm, I'm not a wilderness leader anymore. I can't do anything. And so Phyllis has to take these girls into the wild by herself, which... I have faith in her. She was nervous. Oh, God. She I'd was be, like, I can't do it without you. I'd be nervous, too. And he was like, you can do it. You got this. I love that. And see... Women supporting women. Women supporting women. We need more of it. And so, basically, the Red Feathers start sabotaging Troop Beverly Hills from jump. Like, the girls get on their path, and they're just like, we got this. We're doing it. And the fucking Red Feathers just switching the directions of their flags. They turn that arrow around the other way, and, like... Dangerous, rude, dangerous, because hateful. Yeah, because it's it's like going off the path. Like yes. we designated this path to be safe, and now the girls are walking into like a fucking swamp. Which part of me also thinks so? Velda created the path for yeah. all the groups, and yeah. if she's putting up these colored flags for everybody, like that you have to follow. <gasps> Could it have been sabotage all along? Like, could she have Bitch. made the True Beverly Hills path longer or more treacherous? <gasps> I never thought about that. Scamming and scheming. She oh, was in charge of it all. My God, she really. It was Velda all along. Bitch, that's the that's the rover reporting. Rigor mortis. That is rigor mortis reporting. And yeah, so basically they get into a swamp and they're just knee high with muck and mud. And so Phyllis calls like Annie on this walkie talkie, and she's like. 
um, where are we? And he's like, I don't even know where the fuck y'all are at. And we see this like snake in the actual mud. And Phyllis is like, are there snakes in swamps? And Annie's like, oh no, girl. I mean, there's not like, you know, any regular snakes. There's water moccasins though. They'll kill you real quick. And this scares the shit out of the girls. And this is not a water moccasin. They were in no danger. Oh, really? No. Oh. Water moccasins. So survival tip. Ooh. Um, they have white mouths on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they swim, you can usually see it when they start to open their mouth, but they have more of a silver coloration. Mm-hmm. Um, this was probably, which you would never put a water moccasin on set. So from a safety standpoint, yeah. these girls were in no danger, but we're led to believe. Yeah. In danger. I don't fuck with snakes either way. So this is news to me. I thought it was a water moccasin. They, then the writing did its job. They did. Cause I was scared. I was running from the shit and I'm sitting at home watching it and it's also in this moment that once they get out of the swamp they're like okay cool let's just continue on the path xyz and then a skunk starts following them and at this point they're like oh hell no we know what this means so they start sprinting just any direction they can go and they end up basically going to the finish line a lot quicker off the path but like we see the red feathers like we got this we're number one we got this in the distance and then treat beverly hills come out of fucking nowhere like 30 feet ahead of them like oh my god they're just good freaking the fuck out and they just run past velda like girl we're not doing this and velda sees this skunk and is just pissed because now she's like Okay, so you're the reason why they made it through this course quickly. So she ends up killing it and eating it, which... So aggressive. So aggressive, one. And two, that meat can't be good. I've never had skunk. I barely eat meat now anyways. Baby, so. I mean, must have been the squirrel meat. Must have been the skunk meat. The skunk meat. meat. Yeah, stanky. Mm, st- Girl, I can only imagine that. Because isn't it... Don't they have like a gland or you gotta like... In their ass, yeah. Ew. And you know, knowing Velda's gross ass, she probably ate that too. And so with that, she basically realizes that, okay, the only way that I'm going to quote unquote win this is if I step in and like play the role of the troop leader now because my assistant's going to be too sick. She can't do it. So she ultimately sends the assistant away. It's like, oh yeah, she was sick. She can't do it. So I'm stepping in. And it's just like, you bitch. Full sabotage. Full sabotage. Again and again and again. Like, we can't fucking win with this. And so, basically, the next day, it opens up with the girls starting right away. Like, Velda's like, ready, set, go, shoot the gun, and let's go now. No bird died in this No bird. Oh, yeah, we forgot the bird died in the first one, but no bird died in this one. So, no birds were harmed in this particular scene. R.I.P. to the one in day one. And it's so funny because at this point, the girls definitely realize Velda and the Red Feathers are just sabotaging and just cheating the shit. So Phyllis is like, you know what? We're going to do things our way because that's what we do at Treat Beverly Hills. And we get another like awesome anthem of like Beverly Hills. Like Beverly Hills, what a thrill. Beverly Hills, what a thrill. It was choreography. Oh, baby. They they were doing it. They, they had the whole A count. In like a day. I was so in. I was so there for it so as all the troops have started their day two from the checkpoint so the ones that qualified from the day before continue for the spot of poster troop that yeah. they were from, which for me all of this for what recognition for a poster for a year who cares <laughs> no photogate i got so much money <laughs> <laughs> I earned your organization so much money by selling these cookies. And I get a thank you. I get a poster. 
No, no, no. They said, thank- and then you put me in the Hunger Games. I don't know. I don't they, know. They said, thank you. Next, here's some cookies. The and- prize could have been better. The package was um, questionable, but the girls are still competing. They're in the competition. They're, they're in it to win it. They're here to way. win. So everybody is uh, off on day two. And like you said, Velda is here just uh, scamming and scheming. And they are making their way across a bridge and she cuts that bridge down. <laughs> Anybody behind them is not going to be able to get across that to continue in the race or in the adventure that they have to go on. What a bitch move. As True Beverly Hills comes up to this scene, they're worried that they're thwarted, that they're they're stopped in their tracks. And their quick thinking saves them. They notice there's this fallen tree that does go across the canyon. Mm. And so the girls are like, we can cross this. And Phyllis is like, I'll be the one. I'm the adult. I have to take the risk because I'm not sure, you know, is it is it sturdy? Is it not? I don't know. Can't, nobody can get hurt. So Phyllis is wanting to conquer her self-doubts and, and establish and prove that she can be the great leader that she believes she is. Absolutely. And so she starts to cross the tree and she gets nervous and scared and she starts to stumble a bit. And this is, we're all watching this nervously. Like it is a panic moment. I was clutching my pearls. Yes. But Hannah, honestly, should have started this. Trained gymnast balance beam. And we established this literally in the first like 10 minutes of the movie. Phyllis, appreciate you wanting to be that girl, but no one to delegate. Absolutely. Like I literally was like, I feel that in my mind, I'd have been like, well, let's send Hannah over. She's a gymnast. I get you're a parent, but like you're not the gymnast, Phyllis. Like, and it's your daughter. So she gets hurt. It's fine. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's not your, fine. She dies. Well, it's, not, it's not it's fine, but I mean, it's your daughter. It's your daughter. So if she falls in the cannon and dies, then it, it's okay. Any yeah. other, but any other person shot no in my mind i'm like she's the trained gymnast let her do the job yeah she's most qualified so hannah basically is like okay mom you're gonna fall off this thing i'm gonna come save you and phyllis's pride is is getting to her but Mm -hmm. that so anyways hannah comes to try and save her mom but she gets her foot stuck in. oh my god which part of me is like ma'am this gaping hole in the tree you didn't see it? You missed it? <laughs> you stepped... Anyway, so she gets her foot stuck. Don't talk this, about the tree like that. Well, some people like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then Phyllis now has to turn around, crawl herself back, which she should have started crawling across the tree in the first place. Again, yeah. so many decisions could have been made to improve the situation. But absolutely, Phyllis crawls back to save her daughter... And they yank her foot out of the the hole of the tree. They hold on to each other. They get up and they make their way across the tree. The whole way she's just yelling at her. Just the whole way. Screaming, arguing. But then once they get to the other side, they're screaming with excitement. Exactly, yeah. They're proud of themselves. They helped each other. They got across the path and they are on the other side of the canyon. So they instruct the other girls, go go get the the rope from the bridge and tie a rock to it, throw it across. And we are going to keep this... We're going to keep on trekking. Keep on pumping. So nothing was holding these girls back. They are uh, thinking about how to get through adversity. Now, Velda, being the bitch that she is, sees this and is like, damn, okay, well, I got to keep trying, you know, got to go harder. Just leave him alone. So she basically steps away from the path with the red feathers. And when she does that to try and sabotage the other troop, she also falls into a hole. This one, though you know, was less obvious than the one of them. Yeah. And she, um, she breaks her ankle. Damn. So karma's a bitch. Karma is a bitch. Yeah. What goes around comes around. So Cleo and the other red feathers have this question of like, do we stay and help her? She's hurt. Or do we keep going? And their morals say, fuck this bitch. They said, you're dead weight. They literally said, you're dead weight. Cleo just ditched her mom. I was like, wow. Okay. Well, that makes sense from from how y'all were trained. Yeah. And so they keep on trekking. They're like, we are not going to lose because you broke your ankle. So then Phyllis hears Velda screaming and complaining in the woods. And she's like, 
uh, what is that noise? It must be some sort of beast. And <laughs> as they get closer, beast. they realize that it's Velda. And she's like, oh, yeah, definitely a beast. Oh, girl. She re- girl, even in her, like, down moment, is still reading. <laughs> so they come across a wounded Velda. And Velda is is not wanting to accept any help from, from True Beverly Hills. Mm-mm. And Phyllis is trying to take the moral high ground. So she puts the question to her troop. Should we help her or should we not? And the troop takes a little sidebar meeting and they're like, and they come to the decision. They're like, also fuck this bitch. Like, no, bye girl. We're not going to help her. And this one feels justified. Okay. Jasmine. Ja- and I love how Jasmine was she's like, the one. she's like the leader. She's like, girl, bye. No, we fuck her. We are going. Yeah. So <laughs> I honestly kind of agree with them, but same. Phyllis is trying to instill good values in these girls. And she's like, uh, girls, what was your second choice? And they're like, okay, fine. We can be nice and we can help her. Yeah. So they tie together all of their amazing invention bags. They create this sort of like raft to drag Velda on behind them. And they tie her to it. And Velda is bitching and griping the whole time. And Phyllis takes her head and shoves it back. And she's like, you need to rest. Okay, you need to shut your goddamn mouth. We're doing you a favor. And I mean, again, you were just ragging on our fashion bags. But look what they are doing now. They are dragging your ass. Literally. Literally. Out of the woods. Girl. And and it's so funny that like they're, as they're heading towards the finish line, we see like Tessa's dad and like his film crew just like, they're just directing out this like, all right, when the girls walk up, when the girls come in, get this shot and then go this way and he's just like being director and it's he wants to get their winning moment which is such a proud dad moment i feel so cool and it is revealed that there is a troop coming over the hill and they're like oh it's them it's them and then we come to find out it's the red feathers yeah and it kind of like everybody was like oh it's the red feathers of course it's the-. like they they like the cheers were up and then like they saw his red feather and they were like oh okay they were not excited about that shit. And we then find out that since they don't have Velda, Miss Temple was like, oh yeah, you don't have a full troop, so you guys are disqualified. And Cleo and Jamie, they ain't trying to hear that shit. Jamie and Cleo were like, no, no, this is not our fault. And they basically take the, take the trophy and just run, which... I mean, if that makes you feel better at the end of the day, then you know what? Have that fucking trophy. But in the midst of all this going on, we see another troop coming over the hill. And lo and behold, it is our girl's troop, Beverly Hills. And they are literally dragging Velda across this fucking finish line. And they do it. They get there and they win. And Mrs. Temple's like, y'all have all of your troop. You are all one succinct. Y'all are the winners. And it was like the greatest moment that like, you just feel, even if, you know, you're at home, you just feel like, yes, we fucking did this. So proud of that. Ooh, so proud. I, I, I clapped. It was very good. And it's one of those things that Velda is just like, no, this is bullshit. They didn't do this. They did this all wrong. And Miss Temple's like, you know what? You're kind of a pain in my ass. You're fired too. And it's just really funny to me because at that point, Velda's like, you know what? Fine. I'm just going to start my own fucking troop. And it's like, girl, go ahead. And it was really a really like soft moment too with Miss Temple and the girls because she's like, girls, I'm sorry. I don't have a trophy and, you know, X, Y, Z. And the girls are like, we really don't care about the trophy. 
trophy. All we wanted to do was just prove that we're wilderness girls and just prove that we could be all we can be. And she's just like, well, who said you couldn't? They're like, Val's ass. As she's driving away on a broken foot. But it was one of those moments too that just kind of just showed you like, you don't really need the materialistic, physical thing to know that you're awesome. And it's kind of like in drag, like people feel like I need to have a crown to be a valid performer or I need to have this form of validation. It's like, sweetie, you are doing you. Validate yourself. Hey, validate yourself. And it's one of those things that like, she definitely gave those girls that moment of like, you know what? You did this. Fuck a trophy. And the girls are like, you know what? You're right. And it's just in this moment too that all the parents start coming up and hugging the girls and we see a little Freddy just kind of slinking through the crowd and he ends up going over to Phyllis and just kind of telling her like, I'm so proud of you. Like, I am beyond proud of you. And it's one of those that in this moment, he kind of just says like, you know what? Let's just forget all of this and just be together again. And Phyllis is not reluctant on that. She's like, hell yeah. This That would make me so happy. And we get a happy ending. We get the moment of Freddie and Phyllis basically squashing their divorce. They resolve and become a couple again. And we do see the girls sing their infamous Beverly Hills What a Thrill song. And in this montage, we get to see them posing and posting up for their Wilderness Girl photo shoot. And girl, 1990 don't know what hit them. They got true Beverly Hills. We love a photo Hell yeah, we do. We got one coming up. Mm -hmm. I live. And we end this movie on the most iconic, ironic note. We see Miss Velda Plunder herself sitting at a Kmart and it's like, attention Kmart shoppers, blue light special cookies just the irony of it because she used to you know she was threatening annie with that and look what happened she hates her life she hates her life and with that that is true beverly hills oh my gosh like y'all this is just a blast and a half and sierra thank you so much for being here and just chatting with me about this glorious movie i had so much fun i had so much fun having you like thank you so much and as like a thank you for being on my pod i have something for you <gasps> gifts surprises it's bradley birch <gasps> oh my gosh i love this thank you for those who don't know i just gave her one of my uh fanny pack merches it's fun this is Amazing. Thank you. The unicorn on there. You are the unicorn of indie drag scene. And one of a kind. And magical. It's, it's one of my favorite colors. Yes. See-through. This is <laughs> <laughs> This is so cute. Thank you. Thank you. Like I, I'm so I can say I'm so glad you decided to spend your spend your day with me chatting about fashion and cookies and true Beverly Hills. I loved watching this movie with you. I loved recapping it. I hadn't watched this movie since I was a kid and it just brought back all the n nostalgia. It was amazing and cackling and looking at it again through such a draggy perspective. It, there is some very clear inspiration and a lot of iconic quotes that I'm sure will find their way into a mix very soon. Oh, and I, I can't wait to see this fellow Snuffler look. I already know. I can just see it in your eyes. You were scheming up a look, girl. Oh, always, always thinking of a look. I love that. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for listening. And next week... 
Don't forget to tune in as we watch the 1992 OG frenemy cult classic, Death Becomes Her. Oh, that one's going to be a good one. And also, follow the podcast Instagram at Popcorn and a Popstar Pod to see visual reference content as well as other fun behind-the-scenes stuff from the podcast. And as always, remember, be kind to yourself, know that you're amazing, and when in doubt, glitter it out. Love you, bestie, and I'll be back next week for more Popcorn and a Popstar. Popcorn and a Popstar is not endorsed by any of the film production companies associated with the films viewed, and all opinions expressed during this podcast are for entertainment and comedic purposes only. Not all facts will be correct, but we attempt to be as accurate as possible. All names, pictures, audio, and media are registered trademarks and or copyrights of the respective trademarks or copyright holders, and is used solely for entertainment purposes only.